hey, why don't you put that paintbrush song on just for, just for a minute or two. <laughs> just think about this. Man, this is the kind of stuff you can turn on and lay on your bed and just shut out the world for a second. Turn off everything. Do you know what I mean? Can some of you do that? Can you really turn off everything? Okay. It'd be important every once in a while to turn off everything, except your heart. Listen to this. Just get quiet. Your picture. Fashion a heart that's only yours. Come on. Mold me, God. Come on, Master Potter. Mold me, Lord. Shape me like you. I'm yours, Jesus. And write your name. Write your name. <laughs> in the clay. In the clay. <laughs> Is that too good or what? <laughs> write your name. <laughs> oh my goodness. See now, if I was in my room right there, I would shut it off right there and I would begin to just exchange right there with that thought right there. That when people see me, they see you. That you've so marked my life, Lord. Ah. <laughs> sign your name. Sign your name. In the clap. <laughs> On the picture. Take my life, Lord. Lord God. Paint your picture and let me be a living epistle. That is only yours. I love you, Jesus. Take your fingers. Take your fingers. My heart is yours. Put it in your hand, God. Be the master power. Form my life. Fashion my life. Reveal your heart, your destiny, your glory. I'm yours. Thank you, Father. And write your name. Write your name. Sign your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's so good. Man, you find stuff like that and you get all alone when nobody's looking and shut everything off. Serious. And you let something like that just play. Put it on repeat. Just play it for a while. <laughs> You'd be amazed how you become what it's singing. Because <laughs> grace meets faith, remember? So you're in faith. If you cut away, if you shut everything off, if you shut it, you got... Yeah, I'm just going to say, if anybody's interested in that CD, I'm going to contact Joey this week anyhow. I can order some. Uh, oh, okay. It might be in the book.
See, Patty, she could get a hold of the CD. So if you're arrested, wave your hand so they know who's talking. Or stand up. And, no, no, right here. Just let them know who you are. Can you all tell who? Okay. Oh, come into the bookstore. She's in the bookstore. But you get a CD like that that talks something intimate, something that touches your heart. Who's ever heard a song that just, it's like your heart? When you hear the song, it's like your desire. It's like you're saying, that's me. That's my heart. That's the stuff you want to shut everything off. Not being cynical when I say that. I mean that. It's hard for some people sometimes anymore to just shut everything off. So if you shut everything off, look at this. That's total faith because you're either one of two things. You're either out of your mind and wasting your time and got nothing better to do or you're meeting with him. And I think we're meeting with him. (laughs) So you shut off everything. You get alone and faith is going this way. And when you start... Who, when you heard those words, really listened, your heart went, oh, and you kind of sighed inside. See, that's your kind of song then. So you get alone with him and you just start talking like that. And, and, and I pray through a song a lot of times, like when I'm alone like that. And like, I hear what it's saying, just like when I read the word and I begin to express my own heart. I don't let the song sing for me. Like it can, because your heart's in agreement, but at some point it's good to express. It says with your heart you believe, with your mouth you make confession unto salvation. Sometimes it's good to get your desire up and out and get it this way and Faith is going this way and grace is meeting it. And all of a sudden those hands she's singing about are forming and sculpting and etching the Father in you. And it's just how it works. It's that simple. Really, you just have to have the want to in this Christian life and get alone and release faith in the want to. Grace does the work. Nobody's self-made. Like, no, you're not just biting your lip being a great militant Christian. Even the message we preached yesterday was, was, was really adjusting. And, and, but you can't just read that and get all that knowledge. One of the biggest mistakes we've made in the church is we, we know a lot of stuff. And then we feel pressured to try to fulfill it all and become it all. Who knows what I'm saying? We get a whole lot of stuff that we know. And then and we're like, oh. And then actually... In time, who's ever had their knowledge turn around and try to judge you because you knew so much and then you looked at your life and said, I know so much, but I'm not so much. Who's ever done that? And all of a sudden your knowledge can actually work against you because it doesn't have an experience or a life attached to it and it actually is just speaking what you're not in the light of what you ought to be. And and that's just pressure. That's like... That'll push you into striving and conduct. For people that are sincere and really do care, that could be a heavy moment because you weigh yourself through works and through striving and uh, and condemnation. No, it's, man, you get, you get a message like yesterday and even the online folks that are listening to that or, or you guys go back. Do you guys go, can you go back and listen and stuff? Okay, because I'm, I'm a caveman, forgive me. I just, I don't even... Yeah, the message is just here in my heart, but I don't, I'm, I don't know what you guys are doing that way. But the class, the, you guys can go back on any time. Yes. And, and, okay. So when you listen to a message like that, it's the same thing as meditating on the word of that song. As you're hearing something that's convicting your heart. Man, if you're listening to a CD in your car and you're going, oh, that is such a word for me. Who's ever done that? That is such a word for me. Okay, don't just listen to the word and know it's a word for you. 
respond to the Father. Respond to God. Get personal. I, I promise you one of the, one of the number, it sounds strange, but number, one of the number one things we lack in the church as a body and as Christians is face-to-face just communing with the Lord and believing He's there and real. Do you see what I mean? Like we, we, we listen, we go, oh, that's so cool. And we're with a friend and we express our joy and yay. And rarely do we do this. You know what I mean? We'll say all the right stuff and we'll sing the stuff. But I want to get real personal. I want to encourage you to get real personal. So if you feel like you're hearing a word or something touches your heart, man, right while the song's playing in your car, go this way. Father, you're amazing. That is so true. That is so your will for me. And I'm saying yes. A song like that, I, my heart is yours. It's in your hand, Father. And I thank you that you are molding me and shaping me according to your desire. You and I are one, and all that you desire is all that I desire. Thank you for having this vision for me. You just get intimate, okay? And you begin to pray that way. Transform your life. God becomes more real. Amen? Amen. And uh, dispels other things, because the more you continue in truth, guess what truth does? Transforms by making you free. You see who you are. You see who he is. Truth is your best friend. A lot of times we think it's ministry. Hey, pray for me. I'm way more of a truth guy than I am a ministry guy. I can minister to you and you can feel better, but if you don't get truth in you, you're going to need me to minister to you in a week or two when life gets big. (laughs) Are you following me? Come on, we can pray all day. We can pray and minister and come to the altar and pray and minister, and there's a place for it. And and it absolutely is a place for it. And, uh, but truth... I'm the kind of guy, I was traveled this weekend and was in a service and we just had a real good time and and the Saturday night service was just extra special to me. Sometimes things just seem extra special. And uh, you guys were here, some of you here having a good time on Saturday night. And, uh, but I remember we were, you know, just kind of singled out a few people, walked into the people and just began to speak out. And, And it's amazing, the lady, the lady was so physically abused that you could see it on her disposition. You could see her batteredness in her eyes and on her face. And see, sometimes we handle that with such kick gloves, we're so afraid because they're so fragile. But truth is amazing, truth is life-giving. You have to trust the heart of God in a situation. And I'm a different kind of fellow than most because of what I believe about all that. And you know, we're trying to minister to people like that, we're trying to piece them together. No, I want to give them a bigger picture. So she can't sleep. She's got trauma, post-traumatic trauma. She had a big name for her condition. And this was actually Friday night. And uh, she's on all kind of sleep stuff, but she's still, you know, stuff. And, man, you could see it. She was wearing it. It broke my heart. And I had people stand up. We prayed for them that couldn't sleep. There were so many testimonies. There's good testimonies of people that couldn't sleep without stuff. And they went to their bed at night, didn't take their stuff, and thanked God for loving them. And I had them pray, and they crawled in bed. And, and then one lady said, man, I can hardly get up. I had, oh, my goodness, I felt like I overslept. But this lady, I went right over to her, and we touched a few people. And, and I said, hey, honey. And she leaned in, and, and she felt like she had to tell me her story. And I'm not putting her down. It, it's, it's become her story. It's her life experience. I mean, this must have been a serious situation. Changed names, changed locations, changed identity, lived secret, moving. All, it must have been a bad scene. Only God really knows. So is that real? 
absolutely it's real. And uh, I leaned into her and she started, I leaned into her after she started speaking and I just kind of stopped her because I heard and she used the terms because I knew she's been getting ministry and counsel. And I just spoke to her real direct from my heart. I could have cried for her. Who knows that I cared for her? Who knows that I was really sorry those things happened? But you can't leave her a prisoner of a man's sin. You can't just, just, just tell her it's okay to be certain ways because, hey, that's the way it is. It's going to take you a long time to pull out of this, honey. God's greater. And I leaned in and I said, honey, I am so sorry. What happened to you? But look at me. And she, she's looking away because I, I came right to her and she's, 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 she's carrying this thing in her disposition. She's looking. I said, no, no, tip your chin and look at me. She looked in my eyes and when she looked in my eyes, she had seen just what happened, how the transferring of truth and I'm sorry, but honey, this is not who you are. I know it happened to you and you feel this, but God's coming right now. And, and, and I said about the man, if he knew who he was, saw your value, it's because he doesn't love himself. And I'm sorry that you took the brunt of his despair. And, but you are, now watch what I said. This will make some of you shudder. I said, you are not a victim. I said, and if you see yourself as a victim, you will wear the effects of what he's done for a long time. You are not a victim because he doesn't have the power to change the truth of who you really are. And now that God has come, and now that you see, and I began to speak, and it was all spirit-led. It's not a textbook. It's not take them here, 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 and here, and they'll be okay. It's how God knows how to speak to every individual. Well, you could see it going in her, and you could see she wanted to believe it. And then you could tell that she was receiving, and I said, stand up with me. I just need to do a couple things, and I began to pray for her, and, and went to breathe in her head or touch her head, and it was too late. God just went, and she just, she was just, he, she was overtaken. Well, I heard her sharing the next day with Josh, who Josh and Elise are heading back to the airport today. So I don't know if you got to say goodbye, but they would surely say, hey, see you, love you, eh? And uh, they, they, they are so precious people. It's just good. But uh, she was sharing with Josh how she slept all night and how so much peace came over her heart and hadn't left her. And that she was just in a place of peace and, and how now she has such a heart for her daughter and some other things came alive in her. And, and, and then the next night slept like a baby with no aid, no sleep, nothing. And she's seeing herself different. Just one little, one little window of straight truth in love. Not trying to set her straight. Well, you shouldn't be feeling that way, honey. You need to believe different. You need to get the word on this. Very tender, very gentle, but very truth-filled for her sake. Not just, well, the Word says, well, why are you feeling that? The Bible says, see, that's how we've touched each other. Because knowledge puffs you up, and then you'll touch people wrong. Love edifies. So I was very sensitive to her, but I don't give room for those deceptions and lies that I'm very aware will allow this thing to keep on where it needs to die. And, and, and so this lady slept both those nights and you saw the total change of countenance. Who knows what I mean by that? She looked totally different from that moment. And I don't know about you, but I love that stuff. I share a story all the time about a lady in, in Mississippi who, because of one lie, lost six years of her Christian living. 
Six years. Was ministered to and ministered to by all these people and they're trying to get her healed and delivered and take stuff out of her life and pour it on and take it to and, and, and now they got her labeled as just under whatever and nobody's helping her and, and, and it's not that difficult. It's that we're so ministry minded we fail to chop up lies with truth. You, you can only replace a lie with truth. And it's just funny because they brought the lady up front but see I'm thinking different. If I was thinking ministry I can look at her and know she needs prayer. She looks canatonic. She looks like she's on psych drugs. They're walking her by the arms, guys. Like that. Now, this is how she's been for six years. She was the flagger in the front, full of joy, smiling, and all of a sudden, she's like this. And everybody's like, well, devil's got on her. They cast so many devils out over in the last six years. You know what I mean? Casting, casting, casting. It's, not, it's the devil that's lying to her. It's not the devil that's possessing her. That needs cast out. How do you cast him out? Truth. Bingo. But it's funny because, see, I, I, I have this kind of mindset, and I'm not against ministry, and, and I, I can tell you just as many stories where it was different because it's not a textbook. Where, where I've seen Holy Spirit come, you know, and boom, without any talk, without any, and it is all the power of God, and ooh, ha, ooh, devils and stuff. That's, but, but I'm not chasing after them. I'm going after truth. I'm a minister of truth. He's the spirit of truth. She came up, and, I, and these people were standing there, and, and I looked at her, I said, honey, what's wrong? I said, what's going on with you? How can we pray? And, and she said, I've lost God, and I can't find him. She looked at me like she was dead. I've lost God and I cannot find Him. And I burst out laughing. Probably wasn't been your response. I said, you're kidding me, right? You're kidding, honey. I said, oh my goodness, you can't lose God. He's not running away. I said, He's as close as the mention of His name. I said, he's, He'll never leave you. Never forsake you. So I burst out laughing. And, and the people with her looking at me like, they had seen a lot of stuff, and, but they're looking at me like, okay. <laughs> and right then when I did that, who knows I'm not demeaning her. Right, right. I'm demeaning the thought. Yeah. I'm belittling the thing she's believing. I'm making it foolish. Mm-hmm. Not her. She's not foolish. You know, just because you do a dumb thing doesn't mean you're dumb. Yeah. You know how we grew up our whole life going, oh, you dummy. Oh, you are so stupid. How can you be so dumb? You talk to yourself like that. And then wonder why you have a hard time receiving identity in Christ because you already got yourself sealed as a dummy because <laughs> you did a dumb thing. Well, then we're all just sinners and desolate. Let's just go to hell. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to have trouble today. <laughs> it's going to be a rough school here. <laughs> Serious. Come on. Did you notice how we grew up that way? How hard on ourselves we are, and and we are what we do, we are what we do, but in the gospel we are what he has done. And the truth is in Christ. So here's this lady, and right then Holy Spirit gave me discernment. And I said, oh my goodness, honey, you've been a Christian lady for a long time. You so love the Lord. And she's looking at me like, yeah. You could see it in her eyes, deep in her eyes. That's why she's going through this. Satan's, he's taking advantage of her pure heart, but lack of understanding. You get it? 
She doesn't need prayer and ministry. She needs truth applied to the lie. And she's standing there, and I said, Honey, you've been a Christian. I said, but something happened several years ago. I didn't know it was six. I just said several. I said, where you got so condemned in your heart because you said you, you should have known better. And you believed when you did that, you, this feeling of separation came over you. It was condemnation, and you felt like you crossed a line and that you cut yourself off from the Lord. And she's just staring at me. I said, honey, that's impossible. God's love is greater than your mistakes. I don't care if you knew what you were doing. Once your heart says, oh, God's greater. And I said, honey, say this with me. Father, thank you that you love me. Now watch. She hasn't even thought that for six years. That God loves her. Let alone say that. Are you following me? This is ministry. She hasn't even thought God loved her for six years, let alone say it. And there I am, now I'm all, I'm just smiley and soft with her. Honey, say this with me. She goes like this. Father, thank you, you love me. She so wanted to believe that. She just needs affirmed in that, that there's nothing she could have done, etc. And it, and it sure didn't hurt that I understood without her telling me, and now I'm trying to minister to her story. I understood what happened before she told me. That helps. Because then people don't feel like you're just ministering to them. God pulled that out. So that's good. And, and, and that comes clear when you love people. Like in Ohio, after that lady with the post-traumatic thing, there's a lady sitting three over, touched her and said, Honey, it's going to be okay. And I took a wrist and I said, Those things that are curses over your family have nothing to do with you. Why are you fearing all those things that came upon your your family line are coming upon you? And she wiped out. (laughs) Because she's living in that fear that she's in line. I said, you are not next in line. I got real strong with it. I prophesied over her. And it was good. And guess what she did all night? Slap. Isn't that cool? That's truth. It's truth applied to the lie. So this lady, she starts crying. And, and, and I said, and I said, say, Father, thank you, love me. She said it. Now she's crying. And I said, now say, Father, thank you that you're right here. Because that's what she's believing he isn't. Can you imagine loving God and believing he's not here? Well, you would be lost, wouldn't you? Yeah. She said, and Father, thank you. (laughs) And it was so overwhelming her because she realized she's been lied to for six years. And she's just bawling and bawling and bawling. And we prayed for her and she's just bawling. And I walked away from her and started praying for some other folks. About a half hour later, some lady got healed. Hey, some lady, this thing needs ministry. Somebody pray for healing to this... uh, This lady got healed. She, had, she was 32, 30. She, she, she's walking. She had so much metal in her body. She had scoliosis. She got, uh, was, remember how David said, somebody said, help me? And it got him. Were you here when he said that? That's what she said. Went over and it's amazing what it does to your heart. We went over there and I walked over and said, hey, honey. She just cried and she said, please help me. I'm like, oh, and I'm like already crying. And she said, I'm in so much pain. I'm only 30 or 32, somewhere around there. And she said, I have all this metal. I have this, I have this. And, 
And I said, Jesus loves you, honey. And uh, I had watched a, a, a lot of David Hogan stuff over the years, and I remember his stories about, please help me, and I'll do my best. And I looked at her, and I, I told her about that. I said, I, I, there's a Christian man that when people say that, he always says, I'll do my best. I said, I'm going to do my best, and I promise Jesus did his. He loves you. I have a, a, a good thing going on me here. That he, this, is, this thing is going to be amazing. We prayed for her. It was it was absolutely ridiculous how God can just come and go and change something like that. She could hardly walk, guys. Her back went. She didn't even look like she had metal. She danced so crazy. Um, she had to look like David danced. She went bananas. But in the and that was late at night. Now everybody's dancing, and the worship guys saw what happened, and they just took it up three levels, and the place was bananas. And I looked across the room, and guess who's over along the wall with flags and the biggest smile on her face? Was that lady. She's just tearing it up. And I'm like, oh, she's back. She's home. I just was down there in uh, February, of, uh, January of this year. And this was several years ago. And she came over to me. And she sat down, looked at me, and smiled. And and I understood what she means, and of course you quick, you feel comfortable when you give it all to Jesus, because without Jesus we are zero powerless. And she came over and sat down and said, you saved my life. You saved my life. And I said, well, I know what you mean, honey. God used me and, 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 and used me to help save your life, but it's the truth that saves our lives. And that's all I gave you that day, the truth. But there's a lady two years later, three years later, coming up to me. You saved my life. I don't know about you, but that's fun. <laughs> because without truth, three more years slide by. And the longer it goes, the more the stronghold of belief seems to be. The more you believe a lie, the more you believe a lie. <laughs> Meaning the more. Yeah. I don't know how I got on all that stuff, but I hope that stuff is helpful. That's why this song, what we did this morning, is very, very huge. We started the whole school off this way and just being sure, guys, that, man, can I just say something that's going to sound a little stark, I guess? Please don't come to school like this and not take everything that's touching your heart and go this way with it. Because honestly, you'll just leave here with a whole bunch more knowledge. You all right with that? It's not my desire to stand here and just... Pump up your knowledge so you can teach or something. I want you to be, I want you to be that masterpiece, that picture. Right? You want his signature in the clay. <laughs> Serious, and the way that happens, everything that touches your heart in him, you're this way. Father, thank you, right? Okay, good. Uh, on the line, on that line, I just it just hit me. That's neat. That's Holy Spirit. There's I won't read this, it's long, but uh, I guess, I guess it's Nikos, N-I-K-O-S. You'll know who you are online. Nikos, I hope I'm saying your name right. But he has a question here. here, And I don't need to read his question. He knows what he wrote. When fears come into your life, guys. Nikos, listen, I'm answering your question. When fear is coming to your life. Remember how I got into the sensual faith thing? Big time in the school. We don't live by sensual, sensualities. See, sometimes we think because we're, we're feeling or experiencing fear, we have a problem. No, it's only if you don't let your faith go bigger. 
The fact that you're feeling fear should just make a draw on faith. In other words, if fear's coming, you know fear's never God. Fear isn't God. So you respond in faith. So, so fear ought to provoke faith. It's not a matter of saying, hey, pray for me. I've been feeling fear. Oh my God, I have fear all night long. There's just fear, fear, fear. There's a place to begin to respond. And even if you grab a prayer partner, if you become somebody's prayer partner, don't just be casting out fear. Take them in a place of faith. Declare why they have no need to be afraid. Start speaking the finished work of Christ, the accomplishment of the cross, the love of God, the faithfulness of God over people's lives. Pull them into a place of worship where they begin to decree and declare something in God this way. Do you see what I'm saying? It's not just about praying so they don't fear anymore. It's seeing why they don't need to be afraid. Why their life's not their own. Why their life is in the hand of God. Because fear is, 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 is really, it turns into that thing we talked yesterday. It's just self-focused, oh my God, my well-being, my welfare, or the worst coming upon me. Right? And there has to be a place where the love of God is greater. So, so uh, this has been happening to this fellow on the internet. And, and then a friend prayed with him. And I don't, I'm not trying to demean the friend. Uh, people mean well. But I don't tell people ever this kind of stuff. Obviously, the friend says there's a demon spirit hovering over you and a sign to you because he's mad you're turning your life to Jesus. And then he's more afraid because now there's a devil after him. Nikos, put that away. Throw that aside, please. The bottom line is the devil's mad, period. He's just, he hates us because we have the right to walk in the kingdom and manifest God. We're all made in the image of God. The devil is just, he's having a bad day. And he doesn't like that you're you Because you have the potential of the kingdom You have the potential of Christ formed in you So he's mad at people Whether they're serving Christ or not Come on He's out there busting up people Whether they've ever stepped in church He loves blinding and robbing and deceiving And locking in strongholds of belief Right? So you don't want to get in this mentality That because God is using you The devil's out to get you God doesn't raise your rank and then give you less covering. If he gives you increased revelation, he's going to back it up. He's not throwing you to the dogs. And if you suffer in persecution or something for the gospel, we saw yesterday in a lot of our stories in the word we're speaking, there is a suffering for persecution. There is, it seems like we're lambs to the slaughter. But as far as sickness and disease or trauma or torment or anxiety or nightmares and stuff like that, man, if you start thinking and believing in a way where the devil's after you because God is using you, that's a level of fear. That's actually vulnerability and access solically. You're actually saying, come and get me. Come on, the last thing you do is do preach like I'm preaching and then leave and go... Come on, that's saying I'm very vulnerable. That means I'm about under, I'm subject to be overtaken. No, I leave here, yay, nothing's changed. When crisis does rise or a little thing does indicate that there's some turmoil going on or an attack or assault, you still respond in truth. You still do everything we're proclaiming. Where, where is fear and worry for yourself ever come in? And Christians do this a lot. They say, well, Holy Spirit showed me a demon and da-da-da-da-da, and he's doing this to you. Well, then cast the thing off or stop. What are we telling each other this stuff for? Well, the Holy Spirit showed me that there's a curse over your life because your great-grandmother and it's still, and it's reaching down into you and you're the third generation. We're not diagnostics. We're not like, we're not. 
Don't do that to people. Because now they leave you and they go, oh my God, there's a curse over me. And now they go home with the identity of I'm cursed. Well, yeah, brother so-and-so saw it in prayer. The Holy Spirit showed him. <laughs> Forgive me, but that one, <laughs> we were being so scammed on that one. So you don't tell somebody the devil's out to get them because they turn to Jesus. You, you already know he's mad. We already know he's adverse and contrary to truth. And come on, he was trying to kill us before Christ. <laughs> of course he's not happy. Come on, it's just not where your focus should be. So how do you handle fear? He, he got water baptized, hoping the fear would just go away. I, I want to tell you, all of you, I'm not just answering this gentleman. Water baptism and some of these things we do are not just, it can be a real revelation where your heart gets illuminated. But if you see the gospel as a, a magic lamp or an abracadabra or something just falling on your lap and everything goes away and everything's rosy. No, this is, this is a war you're in and it's a moving forward in truth. So even baptism, if you get right down to it, is, and I'm pointing here because there's one over here under the floor. You just can't see it. But even baptism is a total expression of faith and truth. But because you release faith there, grace meets you there. But if you're going under there thinking, well, if I just get water baptized, all the fear will go away. Then you're going to come up and as soon as you feel a little inkling of fear, you're going to go, oh my God, it didn't work. And there's zero faith in that. No, when, you, when you're experiencing fear, Nikos, this is a good way to see this. And anybody in this room, this is good for everybody. It's why I'm answering it online because it's good for everybody. When you're getting baptized and you have fear and stuff and you're putting your whole life dead and you get up and a little bit of fear that you go home and that same old creepy thing tries to get on your shoulders. Do you know what I'm saying? That's where we think everybody needs deliverance. No, this is stuff just messing with us because it, it's been able to forever and we've allowed it to. We've taken it so personal. As soon as we feel it, we believe it. As soon as that happens, Father, I thank you. I've given myself to you even in water baptism, not just confession, but believe and baptize. I am removed of all sin in your sight. You see me pure and holy, and I thank you. I am not afraid. What can anything do anything to me? If you are for me, who can possibly be against me? I am your son, and I am redeemed. I am not a target. I am not a sitting duck. I am not a problem waiting to happen. I am your child, and you live in me mightily. God, I worship you. You see what I mean? There's a response in truth. And every time that thing comes, I'm going to get you here. Father, I just thank you. And you, and you let that thing provoke you to him. <sighs> you following me? Come on, we better get militant and aggressive in this thing. You let, you let that thing provoke you to God. You let it be the devil's fault that you know God so well. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a good turnaround when the end times come and it's the devil. He's responsible for your walk in Christ because he provoked you right to the throne of God. Rather than to crying and feeling sorry and pray for me and deliver me and help me. Jesus has come. He's raised from the dead. He's given you life and the kingdom and yay. You get it? We're waiting for God to do things and we got to take it by faith. Most times, that's exactly the position you're in. When you do a water baptism, it is not an abracadabra. I'm going to go under the water, come up, and life is going to be rosy. 
No, you're going to go under and your old man is truly dying and he will never be mentioned again before the throne of God and heaven will never speak of the things you've been and done before that moment. And you're going to come up brand new and clean, birthed in the kingdom, birthed in Christ and his spirit will come into you and grace is all over you and you're a new baby born person, right? Yay. And now you start walking out your life in Christ. And something old and familiar comes, you need to attack it and crush it by submitting to God. You are not in a fight this way. Your biggest challenge is submitting to God. It's not fighting the devil. You fight the devil, you'll just get tired anyway and you'll think what you're doing is not working. We're taught so much to rebuke and bind and rebuke and bind. You don't hear me teach that stuff. You know why? Because your greatest blessing is submitting God because as you submit to God, you'll know God and understand God and light will come into your heart and these things will be seen so clear for what they are, they'll lose their voice and power. That's what it means to submit to God, resist the devil. It's a one-step, not a two-step program. As you're submitting to God, you're resisting. You can't do both. One's the same as the other. But if you resist, first on the list is submit to God. If you resist before you submit to God, then you're just fighting the devil with head knowledge and principles. Are you following me? Come on. But if I submit to God, I'm growing in revelation and understanding. You're not called to resist the devil. You're called to submit to God. And you're submitting to God is you're resisting. And he will flee. You get it? Come on. Don't you put a time. I don't care if it seems like that little, little jawing thing goes on for a month, two months. Don't you draw a line on it. Don't you be a 30-day money-back guarantee person, 60-day try me, see if you like me person. Don't be a weekend warrior. Don't jump in this thing and try it and see if you like it. You live by faith. You've given your life to him. You're established in the faith. There's no backing off. You live this way. It's your life. You can't complain, you can't backtrack, you can't say it's not working. As soon as you embrace that language, what you're saying is, I'm trying this to see, it's a method, you're reducing it, it's a relationship of unfailing love. You get it? Come on, if he's for me today, he's for me tomorrow. And if the devil's yak, yak, yakking and we already know he's a liar, why don't you flip it 180 and rejoice? You get it? Come on. We're just listening too much this way. And a lot of what we're hearing, we believe because we experience, feel sometimes sensuality. That's why this is so important so we get more revelation in our heart and know that He loves us. Because once we're perfected in love, fear's cast out. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Well, you can only have a sound mind if it's grounded in truth. So, so God's expecting us, He's privileging us to wrap our mind around truth. My coworkers used to say, it's like you're brainwashed, man. And I'd, I'd laugh and say, my brain's been thoroughly washed. That's what I'd say all the time to them. Power washed in the Holy Ghost. Word of God. I'm just reading on breaks, on lunch. I'm just reading. I'm walking down the hall, talking to the Lord, working, talking. And they're like, dude, who are you talking to? Why do you talk to yourself? I'm not talking to myself. And I had so many, they wasn't just freaking them out. They weren't just thinking I was loco. They were just, they saw my life. They could tell I was blessed. They could tell I had joy. They could tell I wasn't mad at work anymore. They could tell that I was different. 
I remember guys getting healed. I remember one day walking. I'm just talking. This guy wouldn't let me pray. And, and he's just watching me through the rack. And he's on the other side. And I'm, I'm talking. And he's listening and watching. And, and you know what gets into people after a while? Either he's nuts or this is real. And the more they watch you, they start thinking, I don't think he's nuts. I think he's nuts. Seriously, for a long time, they want to believe you're nuts because then they don't have to respond. And they don't have to be convicted. So they're going to try to mock and scoff and come up with a negative so that their life's not threatened or challenged. Because even though they don't like their life, it's, they're content with it. Isn't that weird? Isn't it weird? Isn't it somehow I always wanted you to love what I didn't like? Because then it would try to make up for what I didn't like. And if you'd love me, then that would make it better. But I didn't even like me. And I expected you to love me. And I didn't even like me. <laughs> You see what I mean? That's how we are, apart from Christ. But I remember I was singing and I'm talking and, and I go to get this case and I turned and I'm moving real fast and I turned and, I, and there he was. I saw his face through the, he's looking. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, hey. I said, you caught me worshiping Jesus. Man. He said, he's amazing. I said, you still got that going on in your hands? I said, be honest. No, look at me. Come back here. Don't run from me. You still got that going on in your wrist. It was carpal tunnel. He couldn't do his job much and he was going to get a surgery. I said, listen, man, you've got nothing to lose. Reach your hands through here. Jesus is amazing. Give me your hands. Took his hands. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. <laughs> Feel like it. <laughs> I was, years ago, I, was, I, I, I have... Uh, I, I can't say I've calmed down, but <laughs> but my expression has changed a little because I used to not be able to <laughs> bridle my expression too much. I remember because I used to minister to everybody, and you get pretty wild when you just pray for everybody. But I remember being in church, and I called up. I had a word for everybody with arthritis. That arthritis was trying to take over this church. You couldn't believe it. Two thirds of the people had arthritis in this church, and I got so like violent. And you say, where was that scripturally? I was just come out, and, and about halfway in, I got so I was just going ah. Yeah, yeah, and I was just going like, and the pastor's going, "Oh my God!" And the people were just, <laughs> and, and it was neat because we started checking the people, and 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 there was no arthritis. And you say, "Whoa, whoa, where was that?" Yeah, brr, ha. that's how I felt inside. It was like brr, it was an authority, and I was just, ah, yeah. like I couldn't have words for it. After a while, I was just done saying, "Be healed, free, come out." I was just, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm serious. It just, blah, blah, blah. and so, but that's how I felt when I got this guy's hands, and I just remember that. And uh, but isn't it funny and amazing? funny in an amazing sense instantly healed now there he is looking through the rack thinking I'm a little loco (laughs) why? because it's different for him it's different experience but yet he's watching and he's thinking it's one or two things I am really truly nuts (laughs) or God's real whoa wonder if God's real and the more they watch and look and listen, all of a sudden there's a man healed. There's so many other things. I had a lady. Watch how powerful faith is. I had a lady at work who was leaving. She, she was a Christian at the time, confessing Christian, but she was hurt. She went through a, a hard divorce. And that can really throw you for a loop when you're a good-hearted person and things just don't seem to work out. And, and the husband, there's a story there. But, so she's hurting. And, and she wasn't 
she wasn't really living her Christianity. She was probably in a mellowed out place. And she's leaving with an abscess tooth. And it's so much pain. And they're telling her, you better get in here and do something. Because that stuff gets in your bloodstream. And da, da, da. Why are you holding off? She didn't want to do that. She's walking out the, the door. And I'm at work. And see, I'm telling you this story because it's work stuff. It's being in a place where you're a Jesus guy. And your whole workplace knows it. Do you understand? Not because you're just preaching the Bible on, on, on a break and preaching them. Turn, repent. Because you're living in joy. They, they catch you worshiping him. Yeah. <laughs> like they find you talking to him. And, and you're praying for people and things are happening. And people talk. And, and we had so many things happen. We had a guy that was a chain smoker just stopped smoking because he was standing six feet away listening to me minister to a guy. And he stopped smoking and didn't smoke till morning. Called my house and got born again. That kind of stuff. Supervisor call. Uh, I, I'm sorry to call in your day off. Man, get with it. Why you call? Just talk. What's up? What's going on? Because he was mealy-mouthing me a little. And, and then he said, uh, I just don't understand how you live the way you live. I said, well, what, what do you mean? Well, I know you're going to tell me it's Jesus, but I don't understand. I've never seen anything like it. I see what the bosses are doing, your coworkers. If I was in your shoes, I would be livid and furious and nothing changes you. You are the happy man you are every day. You do your job and I don't know how you live this way. You know what he was saying? I admire you and respect you and wish I was like you. Yeah. 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 So he came over to my house and sat on my porch and Jesus came. So many stories, just so many stories. But it's in the workplace, it's living that life. It's not, I'm not a 007 Christian that just goes to church on Sunday and I'm trying to be nice and polite at work. I'm in love with Jesus. And I don't feel compelled to just have to tell everybody, but I live it and sooner or later the cat's out of the bag. The cat's out of the bag. <laughs> But she came running to me. I'm like, I'm like, now imagine me. I'm talking to Jesus. I'm back in the hour. I'm probably singing some little song. There was, I'm not much for the earphone thing and, 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 and different things when you're working like that because you're getting a call. But every once in a while I would do that. And, and uh, oh, there was a tape somebody gave me. She said, oh, listen to this. It was years ago. I don't know if she's even sings anymore. It was years ago. Uh, Sandy Patty. She sang so sweet. She just sang this little song in there, Jesus. She told a little story about when she was little and Jesus loves me. And she was making it funny about, and, and this girl just gave it to me at work and said, hey, check this out, see if you like it. I'm listening to it. And I got to this place where she started singing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know. And I'm walking down the aisle. <gasps> I'm trying to see my, my orders and I was a mess. So see, it's a good thing if you have need and I'm in that place. Because this lady came running. Watch how the kingdom works. Watch how faith works. I'm back on the back rail dock working. And I don't know anything about this lady hurting. I don't know if she has an abscessed tooth. I don't even know if I saw her that day. I didn't know nothing. I didn't know she's ready to leave to the medical center. I don't know nothing. I'm just on the back working. I see movement coming at me. I look. She's, she's not, a, not a... I'm not saying anything crude. She's a tall woman... She's a big girl. She's running at me. I turn to look and she's right there and she's running like this. She's running like this. And, and I went, whoa. I said, hey. And she just took my hand 
and went, grabbed it and went like this on her cheek. And I don't know nothing. And I'm like, she just grabbed it and she started weeping. Why? Because her heart's been convicted. She's been encouraged by my life. She's thinking, I think I need to dig deeper. I haven't really been. And, And she sees that I'm enjoying my salvation. But here's what she told me later. She was walking out the door. Who knows you get, you get in trouble this way. You feel like you don't have audience with God. You get under a legalistic mindset. You think, well, I haven't been praying that much, reading. You know, I probably am low on the anointing. I'm probably not too close with God. I probably don't have an audience. You know how people feel that way? Even to go to pray for the sick. Well, I don't know because I haven't really read too much Bible this morning. I'm probably going to pray for the sick. She was going out the door feeling that way, needing help. And she stopped at the door and said... Dan is walking with Jesus. Jesus, you live in Dan. If I can get him to touch my tooth, I can be healed. I don't know a thing. I have zero faith except for I believe. I agree with her, but I don't know what she's doing. I am totally being used. (laughs) Totally. I'm standing there. I'm serious. She grabs my hand. She doesn't say one word. She just, you know how people get emotional when it's crunch time. She's got a lot more going in on her heart, going on in her heart right now than her tooth hurting. And now that she's approached me for the reason she's approached me, she's very confronted and convicted in her own spirituality for one thing and where she's living. And now she's looking into me and I'm just like me. I'm just me. And she grabs and puts my hand on her cheek and I feel, literally, tangible feel, feel, F-E-E-L. I know it's not essential thing, but I felt, because I believe God, but I felt the power of God going out of my hand into her face. And it felt like a radiation or energy or like invisible water flow. And it was just, it was just there. And I thought, I thought, I laughed, I, she's just going <gasps> with her eyes closed crying, and I'm looking up to the Lord and I said, what's going on? I'm being used, I'm being used. And I was like laughing about it because I knew there was something powerful going on. It was like the woman with the issue of blood. She didn't have a crowd to press through, and, but, but she just ran and grabbed me. Isn't that neat how faith works? But isn't it neat that somebody can recognize Christ in your life and it puts faith in their heart? So she grabs my hand and does that, and all, watch this, it had nothing to do with me. Except that I wasn't the 007 Christian. That's all it had to do with there. She knew where to come, because she knew I was, I'm not ashamed. Every trace of that abscess left her. Left her, right now. She grabs my hand before the Lord. Boom. And guess what that girl went on and did? Got on fire for God. I'm serious. We became close friends, encouraging, on fire for God. She's in church and yay, Jesus. You see what I mean? This is really good. Isn't that fun? So there's just something about living this way. And uh, now watch. If, if If I wasn't doing this... Wouldn't I be encroached on by other things, thoughts, beliefs? Subtle me into mediocrity, half-believing. All of a sudden, at least I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, but I'm not flourishing because I'm believing everything I'm feeling and hearing apart from His love. But I can't afford to live there, can I? You can't afford to live there. Come on, I'm, I'm encouraging you, class. 
get aggressive with that stuff. Don't just, just get used to hearing things and accepting them or just like not, because you'd be amazed if you don't respond to them. There's times I ignore things because I know they haven't touched my heart. But a lot of times we're trying to ignore them, but they're affecting our heart. And after a while, it becomes what we believe. Are you following me? Come on, and that's like this question here. Fear is like that. And fear, fear wants to paralyze you. It wants to own you. But love casts out fear, right? So we're going to go this way and grow in this. So if, can I have the mic up here then? Just so it's ready. Thank you, buddy. If, if you're feeling experiences of fear, please don't get troubled and think, oh, what am I missing? I shouldn't be feeling fear. If you're feeling fear, you're feeling fear. Just make sure you start raising your faith above it. Let it locate faith. How can both be there? Well, the fear is not coming out of your own heart. It's being suggested and, 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 and interacted. It's, it's being interjected. The fear is being suggested. So let your heart faith come up and crush it. You get what I'm saying? Come on. Yeah, enough on that. I don't, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, that's really funny because the, I started working as a waitress after coming out of New Life. And when I did that, I had to learn and maintain a balance. I had a lot of fear working with people again, the languages that I was hearing, the way people lived and talked. Right. And um, I was approached by one of the bus persons said to me, I just wanted to let you know, I don't know why I'm saying this to you, but um, a couple of the girls were together and had said, you gotta watch Linda because she's a little crazy. Things that she says. And it hit my heart, but it went away because I knew like you just said, you got, you got to know who I was starting to understand that that's not of God anymore. So I left it go. So it happens to one of the persons that I always talk to about how I was changing. She actually came up and said, Linda, I just want to have what you have. And I said, you can. You just have to get go of your old life. Right. And just have faith in God again, you know. What was so funny, last week she came up to me. She's like, Linda, look, look. I said, what? She goes, I got one of those Bibles on my table with a $2 bill like you got. Because people always give me Bibles because they know who I am now. Right. So they leave these Bibles and stuff like that. She got one with a $2 bill in it. And she goes, what do I do with it? I said, well, to me they're blessings. So I put them aside and I keep them. She was so ecstatic that she got a Bible right. on her table as a tip, like I did. Well, because they were acknowledging exactly. something. Exactly. Right. And they hear me singing, and they, they watch me do things. But you know, it's amazing how that restaurant has done a 360 between the customers that did not like me. Um, 11 kept coming up to me a lot. 11, 11. I couldn't understand what 11 meant. And this truck pulled up in front of me, and it said WCC 1111. And I'm like, God, what are you trying to tell me? This couple that really didn't like me, they came into the restaurant, they wanted to sit in my section. And I said, I'm sorry, I said, I can't fit five people. They said, well, we have something for you. So they gave me this package and they said, when you open it, Linda, you gotta show everybody. And I was like, oh, okay. So I opened it up. What was it? Hebrews 11, one. Oh and what is that scripture that I hope and I believe in something that I don't see? The guy said to me, we went into the store and they saw it and said, that's that girl at the restaurant. That's that girl. So they had to buy it to give it to me. So on that license plate, God was trying to say, we see 
by Herb and Fitch, you know, and I thought right. that was just, he gave me that, and I thought that was just well, so Well, and there's cool. a greater, the people see, and they might not totally understand, uh-huh. but watch, she's not trying to project her faith, she's just being, and she's in love. So people will tend to mock and scuff what they don't understand, they feel like they have to have an opinion. See, we, we, we value our opinions. We don't realize how proud we can fall into being like, so what do you think? Well, I'll tell you what I think. Well, what do you think? <laughs> Who cares? But when it starts happening to them, then it's, right. then it's really well, crazy. Well, the more they watch it, see, see, if you get moved and caught into all that, a lot of people that are trying to project their faith or trying to uh, make people see something is really get in trouble. Because then there's contesting, there's this and that. No, you're just being you. You're being the best you. You're at peace. When they say, well, that Linda is this and that. No, you have a greater foundation than what they don't see or understand. If you're trying to project on them, then when they say that, you'll feel like you're not doing a good job or you're misrepresenting and you'll get all crisscrossed up. Just being, that's why I preach relationship all the time. Just because out of your, out of your relationship, life flows. And people see, they get attracted. And even if they don't understand, there's a level of honor. Wow, this is really, you really believe this. Right, at least you, right. And then they all of a sudden they bring a gift to acknowledge, hey, this is you. This is what we see. Isn't that sweet? So that's good. And that's not because she's trying to win them and this and that. It's her life. And I like that because that's pure. People see it's for real and they see it's consistent. And it doesn't mean everything's always going your way. But Jesus loves you and he is Lord. Amen. So hand me that mic and I'll uh, pass it. Hey. Hi. Um, I, asked, I kind of asked the same question before and I'm, I'm really receiving what you're saying about the fear thing and, and just submitting to God in worship. Um, but it's on my heart because it happened last night. We keep running into this with our children who are only nine months and 22 months old. Um, um, it's something we're growing in and it's not expecting it to happen um, but when we we went over to a friend's house last night who they're so hungry and they're constantly like inviting us over because they're like we see faith in you guys that we don't have and we want it so we're just sharing with them just the way the Lord has grown us and like you know it's been amazing in the past six months um, then we come home get the kids to bed during the night if you're a mom or dad especially a mom when your kids wake up, sometimes they wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, Mama, Dada, but they go right back to sleep. This keeps happening where they'll wake up screaming like, and in your spirit you're like, that is not right. Like, that is just not right, and I know it's not something good. And honestly, last night it was my son first, and it was like two times, like so early in the night, and I was so tired that I didn't even realize what was happening until Hattie woke up and was like beside herself screaming. Um... And so there's been times when it's just been so awful that we just bring her in bed with us and we start praying over her and just whatever. Um, So I guess my question is, like, do you have any more specific examples of, like, how do we cover them on a constant basis and just be Mm -hmm. so mindful of that? Excellent question. Yeah. And I'll tell you a little quick story I try to do. Is this okay? We're going this route. You guys good today? This is school. So, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to head somewhere. It mustn't have been God. 
Uh, excellent question. You know, because the reason we say stuff about, well, I'm pressing into God and now the devil's everywhere, because we have these kind of experiences and it, it's, it's like, wow. So the pressure's on now, the attacks on men were growing the last six months, now we're imparting to friends, they're hungry, and now this thing with the kids. The, the message we preached yesterday is supposed to really protect us from just reacting like mere people to where we're taking it so personal. It's still our kids, it's still, but to where it's just an assault on me or my kids, you know what I mean? No, it's about the kingdom, right? So the bottom line is there's a place of, with children, especially your little, well, any age, but from little up, what an honor that you can do this from little up and that you're in the place you're in. I would encourage you to, to just bring up Jesus openly and all the time and not the devil at all. Most people talk about the devil so much. It's okay, honey, Jesus is here, he loves you. Jesus is our king. I'm gonna hold you, honey, no, look at mommy. Look in my eyes. I don't know what's going on right now, but you have every reason to be okay. Jesus loves you. All of a sudden, you're not moved at all. Like, oh my God, my son, and he's going through this, and he's in the sentiment, the mother stuff. There's this mother side that is so instinctive, but it's not like healthy if it's not channeled through God. Serious. You mothers are amazing. I'm not saying anything bad. I wish we'd learn from you mothers. But there's a side where it's just personal. And that's, that can be a trap. So obviously you and your husband in covenant, you're in agreement, thank you, our home's blessed. But, but you have to be careful. I, I don't encourage people to do all that because they feel vulnerable. You do that because you're in covenant. And, and, and you can take authority. And, and, and I just thank you, Father, that none of these things that have tried to get on my children have any access or right. We put our faith in you. We bless this home and you can bless your kids and and do all that what I find a lot of people going through the motions because they're scared so they're doing all these Christian things as you grow in relationship love casts out fear so all of a sudden you realize you see bigger than your son screaming you see what I mean and you realize there's something going on so there's a place to keep Jesus high in it and you scoop him up and say it happens and who the tendency is if it sneaks in again it's looking for opportune time and it's trying to break us down here's what it's running the risk of that it's going to establish you in revelation so if it comes back twice and third time don't get freaked out and turn the gospel into a method and say what am I doing wrong because it happened the third time. Now your eyes on the fact that it happened the third time rather than Jesus is a finished work, he's Lord and he loves us and everything's gonna be fine. We're gonna walk through this thing. So even if it's the third time, and I'm gonna tell you a little story that'll make sense. So the third time you walk in, say the third time and you say, hey honey, mommy's here, it's okay. Just come here baby. No, no, it's okay, Jesus is here. He loves you. I'm telling you, God will grace on that, peace on that. It'll just happen. And you begin, and then you could talk to your child even later. Listen, I know it seems like you're getting disrupted. Don't you ever be afraid to go to sleep? Don't you ever? Jesus, it doesn't mean trouble doesn't even come sometimes. Things try to shake us up, honey, in life. Jesus is always there. He's the deliverer and the rescuer. He's the one. Show them Psalms 91. I would teach kids at a young age so they don't learn that fear is normal and freaking out and, oh my God. You see what I mean? But there's a place for you to just stand in that place. And I believe what happens is we grow in a revelation that you know what? God is for us. Who can be against us? And I would bless your home. It happened to us when we were having a home group. There was a spirit coming in and getting on our children at night. I know it sounds weird to some, but they would wake up depressed in the morning on Sunday morning and bicker and fight and they weren't themselves. You follow me? 
And then Jesus showed me a spirit during prayer in our, in our kitchen coming. It was crazy. And we cast that thing out and went in. Well, I, didn't, I actually just ran in the bedroom, just chased it, and, and, and the thing went Poof. But once we knew that, we just began to declare our home sanctified. Grace of God. One night in the middle of the night, I woke up in the middle of the night, the whole house is creaky and noisy. Do you know what I mean by that? It just felt unrestful. My wife was squirming around in bed. Uh, there was times that happened, and I would just lay my hand on her in the middle of the night, and she would just get still and call. She didn't know nothing was going on. I just bless her because I'm her husband. I just give that to her. And it's just fun. But I heard my kids were coughing and making noise and restless. My house was restless. I don't want to make a theology out of this. I don't know. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it got there. And I really, I don't really care because I'm in fellowship. You'll follow me in a minute. See, we get so caught up in the mystery of all that that we never grow in the answer. I went down the living room. The house didn't feel like my house. felt weird. I'm in fellowship with God and covenant. It's no fault of my family. It was just weird. I got down in there and I said, Lord, I said, something is very weird. It feels very unrestful. What is going on? Here's exactly what the Lord said to me immediately. He said, darkness is encroaching your home. He said, worship me. And I went, what? Darkness, what? Darkness, encroaching my home? I didn't think, well, now why is darkness? How did it get up? Now what door did I leave? I don't know what you're doing here, but this ain't a home of darkness. And I remember just lifting my hands, Father, I worship you. You're a God of light, and there's no darkness in you. And you're in me. And in your light, I see light. And light has shone in the darkness. And I start, <laughs> and I start quoting and praying. It's uh, pumped now. And it's, my whole house just went. <sighs> and everybody slept like babies. Now, I wonder if that wouldn't have been the immediate result. The truth's the same. So I don't troubleshoot. I answer, seek. <laughs> I don't troubleshoot. I know people disagree with me on that. That's fine. I can agree to disagree. I just know that, I just know that I, I'm an answer conscious guy. I do not troubleshoot. You follow what I'm saying? That night, I didn't even address darkness. I addressed light. And guess what happened? Light shone all around me. <laughs> and guess what light is? Greater than darkness. <laughs> Probably shouldn't address the darkness if you could go to one greater. <laughs> He'd be the light. So I'm just trying. And sometimes you go through these little seasons. But the, the biggest thing you have to protect is your soul from just reacting and getting perplexed and going on some witch hunt. Yeah. And, and honestly, I, oh, oh, and I got the cameras running. God. Sometimes we talk. I'm not saying this to you. Sometimes we talk to too many people about this stuff. And while you're talking about it, you're actually empowering the very enemy for one thing and for the other thing you're getting everybody else's opinion on what they would do and it's just a paradox on both ends see because if you keep sharing your scenario sharing your scenario that fear increases that vulnerability you actually empower you actually exploit what the devil's doing every time you go into that whole thing you need to find somebody you love and respect get them to lock with you pray intercede even if you have a friend that you know just intercede I don't know why this has kept happening but we are okay and we are standing in God because he has my children and their well-being in his hand see what I mean and never fear you never fear his Lord so 
this stuff's real. There's kind of reactions. I, I heard David was here this weekend, but I've listened to a lot of his stuff. When he first went into Mexico, he said there was a spirit came and grabbed his son. He literally could tell. He said there was a handprint on his side and it was pulling him apart. And it was a witch doctor praying curses. And David's praying and he said it felt like there was no thing we could do. He said, and you know how we do everything we're taught to do and it doesn't work? That's what he said in the service. And I'm like, oh. He said, you know how we Christians do everything you're supposed to do and it doesn't work? He said, that's what we did. He said, who knows I want to help my boy. He said, I hate this. This thing's, I'm like, duh. He said, I felt so helpless, so powerless, so broken. But what it did, it drove him to God. He began to seek and fast and pray. And he said, but this thing came. And he said, then we'd get some peace. And my boy would get quiet. And all of a sudden, it would come on him again. And we're like, oh. And we're rebuking him, praying and binding. And he said, literally pulling my boy, stretching him. And he's just a toddler. And he's screaming like he's on fire and tearing apart. Horrible. I'm like, oh, God. You know, are we ready for that stuff? So he said, then he's growing in the Lord. And it got quiet for a little while. And they had some strange things happening. They'd go home and and and... Their, their door was open but everything was still all locked but it was open and it was weird and there was different things he shared on the video and he said it was all trying to get in their head it was all real it was demonic and then he was out in the uh, driveway one day and he's talking to his boy and his boy wouldn't respond he went over and his boy was deaf and it was demonic it was just his boy was, couldn't hear at all and he said David said I don't know what's going on and he realized when he first went in the jungle, there's a side of witchcraft because everything was, because it's his son. Look what the target was. Because guess what that does to us parents? Wipes us out. Because it's our child. You see, that, see why it's the child? Because it, it's so, it makes us so vulnerable. Now you're just, ah, yeah, doing it on and you're falling apart. And everything is just chaos. And here's what David said. He said to his wife, I'm going in that room, closing the door, Till Jesus meets with me, speaks to me, and tells me what's going on. He said, I ain't coming out till he visits me. He said, don't bother me. I'm going in there till I understand. Poop. He went in and sat there seven days in a chair. It's pretty intense, isn't it? I don't even know how you do that. This is his little office. I'm sure there's a bathroom in there. You know, if your mind's running, well, what do you do about the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody thought that, didn't they? Who thought that? See, I know how we think, but what do you do about the bathroom? But he, but he didn't eat or drink, nothing. He just sat there for seven days. And he said, he said, I sat there the first day. Okay, Jesus, I'm here and I need to know. You got to teach me. You got to train me. I'm in the jungle. I'm already here. You got to give me a crash course or something. But I need to know because I'm falling apart and reacting to the... And he said, on the seventh day, Jesus came. He said, I sit there one day, two days, five days. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> So on the seventh day, the Spirit of God come upon him, began to minister to him, and, and impart and teach, and, and showed him it was a, a, a warlock across the street, curses, and, 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 and put revelation in him, but he's seeking the Lord. And he said, he was like, Jah. he said he got up out of the room, and he said he walked across the, the, the porch, went out in the street, and he said, here's the thing. He said, those guys so many times are so far ahead of you. He said, because... You know, they live a certain way. They're, they want power. And he said, he's so, he's so funny on his early CDs because he's really mad at America. He's like, he says, see, they want power. You want your hamburgs, but they want power. 
He says, you want your Whopper fast food. He said, get your Whopper. Just give you gas anyway. You won't get no power. He says that right on the video. But, but he walks across the street and the, the witch doctor was standing in the street waiting on him to confront him. And he said, but he was so because of sitting there seven days, not going to the bathroom. <laughs> you guys are so funny. <laughs> he was so full of it. <laughs> he, he's sitting there. And he said, he went across the street and he said, he said, uh, he had never talked. He said, I've never talked to a human being like this in my life. But he just, you know, I adjure you and command you in the name of Jesus. And he, I don't remember the quote anymore. He's bam. And he said, that thing went, looked at him. And he said, the guy just took off and ran. And he said, instantly, his ears, son's ears just went boop and opened. Instantly. So when I listen to a story like that, the deliverance is what we fix on. I listen to a lot more in the story. I listen to a dad that was striving, trying hard to wreck, knew what the Bible said it should be, but the fact that his son, he was just in derision and he wanted to go get rooted and grounded in love and get back in a place of revelation so he could have authority to move because he had a real situation. Do you see what I'm saying? Rather than call all your friends, get a whole prayer team, rah, 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 the devil's amazing, he's so amazing. That's really what you're saying. It's just scary. So, so I hope I'm answering your question. Okay, I want to share one little story then in a minute. You got something, Martha? Okay. Matthew eleven twelve. Um, the the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. Uh, by force, um, amplified says the kingdom of heaven has endured violent assault. So right. the assault is. What's the assault? It could be a lot of stuff. And a lot of it's, but you have to, like yesterday, you have to realize it's coming to stop the kingdom. If it can hit you personally and get your eyes personal, it'll do a great job at stopping the kingdom if you don't see that it's a war against the kingdom. If you just see it as a war against your son, it gets real personal then, and then there's a lot of feelings, a lot of fear, a lot of entered vulnerability and stuff like that. If you can realize it's a demonic war against the kingdom of God. So you just said something when you talked. You said, we're hungrier than we've ever been, and the last six months have been such transformation, and now we're pouring it into friends, and our friends are hungry, and in the middle of all that glory, boom. Do you see that it has nothing to do with your son specifically? It's to stop this big picture. It's the kingdom of heaven suffering. It's assault. It's on the kingdom. It's not even your son. You got to get that in you, even though it's your son. But if you don't see it, it's just going to become personal and all the feelings and all the stuff and all the... So, so there's assaults coming to stop the kingdom of God. There's sicknesses. There's symptoms. There's circumstances. I went through a thing. I didn't even tell one person about it. I'm just telling you now because we're on the subject. Uh, I had an accident... In uh, uh, oh, it was a long time ago. And then I got this other truck that people bought for me, which was amazing. And 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 I got it, and I had it three months. And a, and a lady came through a stop sign, and boom! But I was in one before that with my kids. Somebody came through a stop sign and just smashed us. It looked like the truck. We should have been killed when you looked at the truck. And I'm, I had to bust out of my door and pull my kids out. They couldn't even get out their side. It was just, and we were all totally fine. It was a good, glorious story, and God really moved, and it was just neat. And, uh, 
I got told by the emergency worker, I've never seen anything like this in my life, and I've been to thousands of accidents. They were mad at me and told me there's no way I was driving the truck. I was so okay that they thought I was messing with them or something, and I didn't understand why they were mad. I kept telling them I was the driver, and they were like, no, you aren't. This is not time for jokes. Where is the driver? We heard he needs medical attention. And I'm like, I'm not sure where the trouble is, sirs, but I was the driver. I am the driver. That's my truck. And I said, oh, my goodness. Now I understand. It's my disposition. It's the way I am right now. You don't believe I was driving because I'm okay. He said, sir, I'm telling you, if you were driving that truck, I've been to thousands of accidents. I've never seen anything like this. I said, I can explain. (laughs) It was so fun. I had so much fun. That was the accident where I had a gash in my head so deep that I could have put my finger inside it. I put my finger inside the gash on my forehead because I had one of them little hard Nissan steering wheels and I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. I knew I was supposed to. It was a law, but I didn't feel like it. I said, I don't do (laughs) seatbelts. Okay, then bash your head. Boom! (laughs) So, So my head's bashed, and guess what the first thing that hit me when I felt the blood running all down my face like a cobweb? It's dark, I got my kids. It's okay, kids. Look, we were in an accident. Accidents happen. But the good thing is Jesus is Lord. And that's why we're all okay. Now, I already could feel the blood pouring down my head, so I knew something happened. I never even felt myself. I hit it. So you, you could crash like that. You don't even feel it. I didn't even know I hit the steering wheel. But I could feel the blood running down my face. I said, kids, I said, we're going to get out. And they said, I can't get my door open, Daddy. I said, I'll get mine open. It's okay. But you be at peace. Listen, I held them in the, I wrapped my arms around them all in the front seat, held them in a little tiny single cab truck. Just be at peace. And I said, you know, everything's okay. Jesus is amazing. I said, do you hear how calm I am? Yeah, Daddy. I said, now listen. I said, I must have hit my head because I had already put my finger up and it went inside the thing. My whole finger went inside it. And the first conscious thought was seatbelt. Conviction, seatbelt. Because I refused to wear it. I had an attitude about it. I was like, I ain't wearing a seatbelt. Ain't nobody telling me to wear a seatbelt. You can't make a law and tell me to wear a seatbelt. I don't like wearing seatbelts. I don't even like the way they feel. I'd rather, I'll take my chances. It's my life. I don't want to wear a seatbelt. But it's a law of the land. And we're to obey the laws of the land. It's, we're, we're not to be obstinate and rebellious in the sight of the world. You try to tell your insurance company you're spiritual Christian and you're trusting in the supernatural protection of God and see how that flies on your policy. <laughs> <laughs> Worse yet, you get in an accident and don't have your seatbelt and then they deny all the claims for injury because if you had your seatbelt on and were obeying the law and now all of a sudden they're not even liable. There's just par- there's paradoxes to it. You obey the laws of the land. Simple. If it says 65, do 65. Don't say, well, I'm in the kingdom and I was in a hurry and that's why I was going 90. So here's what I said in my heart. Father, I know and understand your mercy. It's not a plea bargain. I will wear my seatbelt from now on, I understand. The pain of this has changed my heart. I will wear my seatbelt, but please, God, don't let my kids go through the trauma of, don't let my sin, my willfulness, fall on my kids and let them suffer from this and go through the whole ambulance, hospital, injury. I thank you for covering this thing with your mercy. God, thank you. That's all I said. 
When the policeman saw my head with a flashlight, he said, you sit in the curb. He thought I was in shock because I was okay. He thought the only reason I'm okay is because I'm in shock. That if I had my right mind, I'd be a mess right now. So the fact I was okay meant I was in shock to him because he put the light in my head and it must have been split wide open. And I told him, it's okay, it's a little cut. And he said, you sit on that curb. And he yelled at me. And I took my kids to a house where a man was from our church. And they were up there being tended and I could hear the sirens coming. And the Lord said, you go hug your children and tell them it's okay. You be a daddy to them. You represent me. And you, you look in their eyes and tell them everything's fine. I don't want fear coming on your kids. You go father them. And I said, okay. I said, sir, I need to go. He said, you need to sit on that curb. Do you hear them sirens? They're coming for you, sir. And you need to sit down. He got real sick. Well, here it hit me. He didn't like my Christian faith. And you don't do this to a police officer. This is totally, you don't even think. If you think about this before you do it, don't do it. <laughs> I went up and I took him by the shoulder and turned him. And I had a firm hold on his shoulder. I said, sir, you look me in the eyes. There's two things with you. You think I'm in shock and you don't like my Christian faith. But the truth is I'm not in shock and my children are about to be subject to fear because of those sirens wondering where their daddy is and I'm their daddy and I won't subject them to fear it's not the will of God I'm going to go tend to my children now he said well that's a totally legitimate request sir you just make sure you come back as soon as you can <laughs> he never flinched he didn't do nothing he didn't grab me he didn't he just stood there and I went thank you God bless you I got to the door, my daughter came running, Daddy. I said, yeah, I said, the Lord just told me to make sure you're okay. She said, I was just starting to wonder about you and I heard the sirens and I was hoping they didn't take you away. And, no, 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 honey, look at me, Jesus. That's when the paramedics came in and wanted to find out who was driving that truck and where's the guy because we were told he needs immediate medical attention. And I told the cop it was a little cut and I told some lady in the yard it was a little cut and it's just a little scratch, a little cut. And then the paramedics came and they're, they're arguing because I had wiped the blood off and it never bled again. Well, that didn't click. They came and, and, then, and then they finally realized and they talked and we, me driving the truck, I shared Jesus with them. It was fun. <laughs> he said, well, the guys said you had a very serious injury and we needed to check your forehead. And I said, no, I'm fine. He took the flashlight and shined it on my forehead. And he said, well, it's just a little cut. And I instantly started crying and I put my finger up there and it just felt like you scratched me. Isn't that amazing? You gotta tell you some of them stories so you see what's always wrong with me when I preach. Because that stuff changed your life forever. Because it's mercy received. It's not guilt and condemnation and no dumb me, I should have known better, well I should have listened to God and now I got what I deserve. No, I want to receive mercy if it's there. And guess what I do now always? <laughs> Click it or ticket, baby. <laughs> I clicked it. <laughs> it's a conscience thing. It's a conscience thing. And if you have any other idea, I'm just telling you, you're being deceived. Why do you assume those kind of rights? Don't separate yourself from community and law. 
Don't, don't assume those kind of rights and come up with an idea. I did the same thing and it wasn't truth. So violence can be anything that's coming against the kingdom. It can be circumstantial. It can be anything that's coming against your home. But look what it says. Uh, it says, suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If you really study that, it means that we're forcefully advancing. We're forcefully advancing. We need to be violent. We need to see what we're a part of. We need to recognize the adversity, not take it personal, take the gospel personal, and move forward the kingdom. That's what that means. We're absolutely violent, and then the fact that we won't back off. We're not, yeah. That's what you just described, though. That's what I was going to comment on. That was a violent assault. There you go. Absolutely. Bingo, good. Give that to Brent just so the people online can hear what he just said because there's something I need to say. And I realize, thanks, I realize it's break time. Go ahead. I, I just we're going to be like David Hogan. For seven days, we're going to sit here and have class. <laughs> we are not going to pee for seven days. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't drink water for seven days, you don't have to pee. Uh. Yeah, but they drank coffee this morning. They have to pee. <laughs> I was just saying that is that the story he just told is the perfect example of the violent taking hold of it, though. He did that by faith. It was a conscious assault on his behalf to storm the gates of heaven because he knew that's where the answer was. And he went up and took hold of that in faith, and and it fleshed out. But that, that was... Well, watch where this flows from. You know how I preach identity and relationship and stuff and becoming? Now watch. Now let me paint perspectives for you. I'm coming from starting a home group, which is a good thing. Kicking it off, praying, blessing, yay. My kids wanted to go. That's a good thing. They asked to go. So they are a part of it. We're driving home. Everything's good. We're pursuing the kingdom. We're advancing the kingdom. I'm with my children. And boom. If you don't understand what I've been preaching in this school for how many weeks now, when that metal crashes in your conscience, why did this happen? What door did I open? Why didn't God protect me? Why did he let this happen to me and the kids? My goodness, all we're we're trying to do, Lord, is start a home group and advance your kingdom. You think you could watch our back? And all of a sudden, there's all kinds of mentalities that are allowed because we don't understand. Are you following me? See, watch. I don't have any grid for any of those questions or any of those thoughts. They are, I, the only reason I can quote them all because I've heard them all for 16 years. Not one of those. God forbid I'm sitting on the curb with a smashed truck and my kids going, Why did you let this happen? It happened. We better get on with it now and advance the kingdom. It happened. What do you think? You're going to sit there and cry and the metal's going to boom, balk back out and everything's going to replay and back up? (laughs) And there's a rosy intersection with no accident? It happened. You better know where to pick up and go from there. Or you're just going to sit, feel sorry for yourself, ask 20 wrong questions and reveal to the enemy you don't know who and why. You are. Are you following me? So what did it, did, and, and, and I'm not correcting Brent. Brent said about I made a conscious decision. I made a constant decision a long time ago. 
to give myself and yield and not take life personal and advance this thing. So when that accident happened, I can't try to apply a sermon right now. I have to be that sermon. So that's what he's saying, and he's absolutely right. So all of a sudden, everything that's afflicting and coming and trying to, all of a sudden, there's a total response of Jesus, and Jesus is glorified, and everything works out great. Do you get what I'm saying? But if you don't have a right perspective on your life, and you don't understand who you are and why, you're in big trouble when that stuff happens. Do you think, why am I a target? Why didn't God? Why didn't? And you just take it personal. And then guess what you're setting yourself up for? More personal assault. Because now you're saying, I'm a target. I can be struck. I'm... Ah. But here's what I was going to say, and we got to go to the break. But, uh, and I didn't share this with anybody, a friend or nothing. I, I might have shared it with my wife. I think I shared it with my wife. Years later, I got this other truck, and boom, the lady hits that thing, and, and then they fixed it, right? For two months... Two months. This was the second time somebody came through an intersection and just teed off. No brakes, no nothing. For about two months, crazy things were happening. It was trying to get in my head. People pulling out in front of me. I had slammed on my brakes about three times in two months. People swerving towards me. Pulling out right in front of me. Crazy stuff for like two months. It just kept happening. And it was getting me, it was starting to make me feel insecure driving, like skitsy. Like, like, a, like. And all of a sudden it hit me. Oh my gosh, this is demonic. This is a strategy. This thing's trying to freak me out. It's... And when I realized that, I just declared out of my heart. Well, God, thank you for letting me see. I am not a target. I am not afraid. You foul assault and assignment. You will stop this day in the name of Jesus Christ. And I just made some declarations that come out of my heart. I don't have a textbook prayer. Sorry, I can't print one out and let you pray it like a puppet. It comes out of your faith. You see what I'm saying? But I promise you this. I hadn't had one experience after that like that. I haven't even had a close call or nothing. And that's been a couple years now. But for a two-month period, just because that thing started to accelerate and boom, and then boom, and then boom, what it's trying to do is get in your head. You're going to have another accident. Somebody's going to this. I got little flashes. Who's ever got impressions and flashes of bad things happening? Here's the mistake we make. We say God's showing us that. No, He isn't. It's trying to get in your head and set the table for it. To where you actually accept it and expect it. And well, God was warning me. Warning you what? No, if it is God, then you declare safety and you stop that thing through prayer. But I was getting these little impressions of bad accidents and people crashing into me. They were flashing at me. And that's, that's actually was the giveaway. And I realized, wait a minute, this is some twisted demonic thing. Literally, people just... I was driving, I was on White Street and the car just... Came right at me for a little and then, woo! And then the next day, it was just happening. I thought, you gotta be kidding me. I've never had anything like this driving my whole life. And it was just one after the other. And then these impressions something bad's gonna happen. Bad accident. Bad accident. My buddy Todd, he said, I just had a dream last night that you were killed in a car wreck. I don't know if he even remembers telling me that, but it was right in that season. And I just laughed and I said, wow, because I realized that was, it just all, 
So I said, Father, I thank you that no such thing can ever happen now. And I just... And then I drove five and a half hours to Ohio. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Or you let that stuff get in your head, and if it gets in your head long enough, it starts seeping into your heart. And then you start talking about it. And that's when it's got you. Come on, dreams and stuff and bad things, please. You could go to Christian books and this is a hot topic and I know you got to pee, but... <laughs> there, are Chris, there are books on Christian bookstore shelves how God showed me the death of my spouse before it happened. How God told me they were going to get cancer and die in two months and totally prepared me and that's why I have peace. That is not God. God gives you every promise to fight and hold on and believe. And if you're believing, it's a familiar spirit that is taking the sword out of your hand and laying your shield down. It's undressing your armor. And then it's stealing, killing, and destroying because it's undressed you. Because you're accepting it as God and it nullifies and throws away. Why even have the book if God's going to come and say, look, I'm taking them in two months, they're going to die. Why do you have the book of his faithfulness? lies from hell and the reason people have a general sense of peace is because they believe but it's believing in the sense of loss steal, kill, destroy not life and life abundantly so you get a dream like that and it tells you and forecasts death of a loved one. Tried, I saw, I have people tell me this a lot. This young kid gets killed in the car wreck. Well, I had a dream two months ago. I didn't even tell anybody. I saw him getting killed in a car wreck. That is not God forewarning you, telling you it's going to happen. You, and even if it is, it's to intercede and pray against it. He's the author and giver of life. That's senseless death. That stuff is senseless. That's not martyrdom. That's just... Uh, But I'm telling you, we think every time you have a dream, it's God. Every time you have an impression, it's God. If it doesn't promote life and increase life. And and here's the deal. When somebody believes that and just unarms and doesn't fight and lets their spouse go, how do you minister to them after that? See, now they're sealed in a very difficult way. Because how do you ever preach the gospel now? to them and reach them because if they ever yield they're going to have to go through the feeling of I left them die without a fight so then what they do is they get very protective because all that pain and guilt and the feelings and hey leave me alone I'm okay that he's going I'm fine God's holding me well he would hold you period but you're called to have a sword and a shield of faith that quenches all the fiery darts of the devil it doesn't say unless of course God has soberly chose to take your husband with cancer We say that. You can't find it in the book. His promises are yes and amen. And the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. There's no mix of the two. It says anything else is of the evil one. It's either yes or it's no. And anything else, devil. That's Jesus, red letters. That's not Dan Moeller's sermon. And I happen to honor him. And believe he's right. The reason we have a yes and no doctrine is because our experiences dictate his will. And Jesus' life should settle it forever. 
It's yes and amen gospel. I'm telling you, people have been scammed by the score with dreams of how God warned me and told me ahead of time I was going to lose my baby child. And all of a sudden, cystic fibrosis is diagnosed. And next thing you know, they're dead in a year. Well, I'll be okay because God wanted them, needed them, had a plan for them. And he told me a year ahead of time. If God's doing that, he would have never sent his son and did what he did and wrote that book. Because God's just sovereignly in control and he's just orchestrating life. And then nobody's being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. There's no life or death in the tongue and nobody's reaping what they've sown. We're being destroyed for what we don't understand, church. Let's get the knowledge and stop destruction. You and I grew up our whole life here and what you don't know won't hurt you. That is the biggest lie. Your whole life you heard that phrase, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. You're being set up with that lie and what you don't know is actually destroying you. You've been told don't get your hope up your whole life. Well, don't get your hope up. Well, false expectations. Well, I just don't want you to have false hope, honey, and then get your heart broken. Well, we're not living for us, so our heart shouldn't be broken anyway. <laughs> See, I don't have any tolerance for those lies. I could come across very aggressive on these topics, and it's a whole other day of school probably, but... <laughs> Are you following me? Go pee. <laughs> We're pretty free. <laughs> Are you keeping my Bible? For many walk who I have told you often and now tell even weeping and become enemies of the cross whose destruction is their glory and their God is their belly and their glory is their shame, setting their mind on earthly things. <laughs> Boy, you'll never be late again, will you? I got to fix this thing, man. Somebody, I need a welder or something. No, I'm just teasing. But isn't that amazing that Paul's talking about people who were once walking in truth? What is that? What? Just another thought. <laughs> Where are you? Where are you? For that was no, don't. It was just a joke. It's all right. I was just trying to get everybody back from break, and I thought if I tell them their God was their belly and their glory was their shame, <laughs> they would run to their seat and look sanctified. <laughs> Having fun. Listen, we were on some serious stuff before the break. Serious topics, and I stir things up when I talk like this a lot because. There's a lot of stuff out there, but here's the deal. There's so many mixed belief systems out there. There's so many mixed belief systems in, on the will of God, on healing, on... There is so much diversity of theology out there and doctrine and belief systems that it's real easy for this stuff to take place. S familiar spirits and things that line up. Uh, well, let me just... I, I told you I wanted to share a testimony quick. The, the night, uh, when she's saying about her son in the middle of the night, and it just wasn't good. You continue to speak Jesus over him, tell him it's okay, affirm him, be a mother in God, and you just hold him in Jesus. And, and when you and your husband go to bed, you just obviously declare over your home, and you just thank God your home is in the safety of the Lord. We're sanctified people. It's a house of light. And you just proclaim those things and believe those things. Uh, the, 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 we had a home group at home. And that night, the Spirit of God literally came upon me and I preached the truth of God, but probably it wasn't endeavoring into the things that I haven't, like the, the puffed up thing Colossians is talking about. I knew it was right. I knew it was the Word. God was actually imparting to me as I was teaching. 
You follow me? And I was teaching on unwavering, unswerving faith. Faith that doesn't change his mind no matter what. And I had a couple examples to give in my own life, but I was preaching a tenacity that was above probably what I was relating to in the natural, but I knew it was God. You follow what I'm saying? So on the night I preached that, it was like, whoa, and everybody's like, whoa, dude, this is so powerful. Oh my gosh, yeah, I want to live this way. And I'm like, I want to live this way. I felt like God was preaching to me too. That night I went to bed, and I've told this story. Many of you have probably heard it. There's a lot of new people and a lot of people online that probably didn't. But that night, I'm in bed, and my wife and I sat up to find our son, who was seven years old at the time, standing beside our bed, hit the little touch lamp, he can't breathe. He's actually... It was so dramatic, so physical, so to the eye, in the natural. It's funny how I had the grace, so it's no reflection on my wife. I'm not demeaning my wife in any way. She's a mama. She's a good, real good mama. Because her first reaction is, oh my God, my boy, right? And that's what, I'm, that's what mamas do, and, and I'm not faulting it. And she's ready to grab the phone and hit 911, and I'm like, no, you're kidding, no. Don't you see what this is? And I wasn't taking a risk. I wasn't trying to find faith. I realized it's in the direct face of what God was imparting and preaching, and it wasn't an accident. It was too obvious. It probably should have waited a week. And caught me more off guard. It, it was right on the night of preaching this. Bam! There's my son. He can't even breathe. And he's actually, he's, he's, it's not looking good. So I'm not, I'm not telling you, hold on in God. And, and then all of a sudden your, your loved one dies. There's a lot of horror stories out there. But if you really look at people's motive when they hold on, some of it's so legalistic. Some of it's so, has nothing to do with love. It's just, you know, whoa. You shouldn't need the arm of the flesh. God will heal. He's, and if he doesn't, then he doesn't. There's a lot of stories out there that freak people out where they've just, you know, left bad things happen, right? It's your motive. And, and I was, there wasn't even a thought of fear. I was like, this is so obvious what's going on. And I said, no, honey, we're not doing that. Don't you see? This is so obvious. He's fine. He's going to be fine. This is okay. It's a lie. And I said, don't you call. And my wife's so good. She, she respects me in the Lord. She started bawling and put the pillow over her head. <laughs> and just started bawling because she was like, she wasn't there. Yeah. And I looked at my son. I got out of bed. I said, let's walk out of the room just for mommy's sake, honey. It's okay. You're fine. Jesus is amazing, son. Jesus loves you. And I'm affirming. He's walking with me going. <laughs> He's like, Daddy, Daddy, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't breathe. It was that bad. And I can't even tell you. Now, see, if you're trying to find faith in that place, I just already have called 911, okay? And it's no condemnation. But while they're on the way, be praying. While you're on the way to the hospital, be believing. Don't do one or the other. You don't live without faith. So I'm not telling you the story to say, hey, you need to do this. I wasn't even thinking twice. There was no, and there was no long thing. I went, I sat on the steps with him on the blue room, and he's sitting there, and he's so little, and he's just totally in duress. 
I never even prayed. I picked him up, but I saw what was happening. I just preached on unwavering faith in my home group and part of that, but knew I was preaching beyond what I had even seen. But I knew it was God. It was like he was teaching me through the spirit and through the word and putting a tenacity in me. Do you understand? But I had never been in a situation quite like this. Now I am. And it's the same night I preached. Hmm. Wonder if that's a connection. I wrapped my arm around because I realized what was happening. And I thought, wow, everything I preached tonight is true. And we're going to get to enjoy that and see that. And I held him and I'm like, I'm like, Father, I so thank you for our love, your love for us. You're amazing. That's about all I got out. My son went, he laid against me and said, Daddy, it's going. I'm all okay. I said, of course you are, son. Jesus is amazing. I said, listen, you know, Daddy preached some things, and it was just coming in the face of it, and it just comes to test if you even believe. And, but see, I wasn't trying to believe. I wasn't trying to apply that sermon at the cost of my son. Are you following me? You know, because for me, if I'm in faith, leave me alone. Don't, don't talk so spiritual Christianese with me that you're trying to talk me out of my faith. If I'm in faith, I know it. And it's best to just leave me alone if you can't lock arms with me because we're going to be all right. <laughs> but your sentiment and you looking at me saying, yeah, but it's just because you love one another and you're afraid. <laughs> but I won't do that if another person's involved. Like, I wouldn't hold out in that place at the well-being of another if it's at a certain point. I took my wife to the emergency room because it just didn't seem like things were going the way it should in time and her life. I wasn't, I wasn't going to make that decision other than let's go but not put off faith. Do you follow me? So I'm not against doctors at all. I'm just for the gospel. But I'm not against doctors. I'm just a little different, I promise you, in some of these areas because I don't have a personal fear. Like, I, I believe I'm not afraid to die in that sense. Like, I'm not, oh, what's going to happen to me? I already know. I'm with Jesus. I'm in Jesus right now. So I don't have that thing motivate me like I see drive a lot of other people. A lot of people pray because I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Oh, my God, please, wonder if this is wrong. Oh! You, you can't find faith there ever. It's because we're so self-conscious and but I held my boy carried him over to bed and I laid him down and it felt good I was like yeah and I was totally okay I laid him in bed and I blessed him I said you'll be fine buddy I said Jesus is amazing and and now I'm like what now I'm deeper than I was before now I'm like right yeah I'm in deeper now and now if this is an enemy thing and he is trying to subvert the word now what's he going to do just let me in or is he going to try harder is he going to see you got to understand that things are like this it's a war that's this supper violence thing so I go back I lay down in bed I told Kimmy hey he's just fine as soon as I held him in the presence of God oh my goodness he just boop she said he's okay yeah he's fine I said I tucked him in I said don't you understand I explained to my wife she said yeah yeah she took the pillow off her head (laughs) she did she covered her head with a pillow and bawled hard because she knew that I was locked in, and she's like, ooh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and who knows that there's a heart cry there as a mom to God? Who knows there's even levels of intercession and stuff there? It's, not, it's nothing demeaning. It's not like, hey, you're really messing up this equation here, honey. It's, it's just fine. I'm laying in bed. You're sleeping. 
Who's ever jumped up and just had that feeling something wasn't right? We both sat up. It was amazing. My wife and I both sat up. I sat up and she was probably sleeping real light, <laughs> listening. I sat up and she sat up and said, what is it? What is it? I said, something ain't right. I walked out of the room into the blue room and there's my son staggering through the room doing that same thing. <laughs> it was two hours later. Now you can rock your mind. Why? Why did this come back? How's this coming back? That's exactly what's happening there. This thing's coming because it doesn't believe any of us are seated and rooted in truth and grounded. It believes we're all vulnerable and have a sellout price and we're all going to fold. Now you're not going to try to prove something at the expense of your son and try to be so spiritual at the expense of your son. So from the beginning, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't in fear. I saw this for what it was. It was so exposed to me. Remember the story when I told you about my leg and the doctor said you're going to lose your leg and I burst out laughing and said, oh my goodness, this is so exposed now. Now I know I'm not. See, if you're trying to apply a sermon to your situation, you're a day late. The word needs to become flesh and we need to pursue the gospel before these crises because the Bible says if I hear and do, I'm a wise man. Now watch. And when the rains and the winds and stuff come, do you hear that? Do you hear that window? There's a time to hear and do and when the storm comes, there's a window. Did you catch that? Go to Matthew 7. You got to catch this. See, we don't catch this stuff sometimes. We don't understand. Who knows that God always gives a way of escape? Who knows that he doesn't just let the devil come and just mow you down and just wipe you out? Who knows that right now he's not just going to come in here and just, just run me over and kill me? It's absolutely not going to happen. <laughs> That's not arrogance, I promise. He finds access. He gets into your head. He gets into your heart. He gets into vulnerability. He gets into your speech. He, he, looks, he looks around like a Roman lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. Uh, sorry, where's the, the wise man? The wise man, the wise man. 24, therefore. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, it's good to hear, right? And does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now what? And the rains descended. Do you hear the delay there? You hear and do, and the rains descended. Oh man, I, I catch that stuff in the Holy Ghost. I was reading that years ago, and the Lord showed me, Dan, the same storm comes to every man. We've embraced in the faith world that if you're in faith the rains won't descend. And then we think if it's raining on your life, it's because you don't have faith. That is a lie from hell and it's condemning. And it's comparing yourselves among yourselves and it's not wise. My Bible says that the rains will descend upon the wise man, but have no access to what was really built. Do you get this? Because what's built is your life in Christ. You're founded on the rock and now you're being built up into a spiritual house, right? You're growing up in him in all things. When the rain descends, the floods come and the winds blow. Sounds like trials and circumstances. Sounds like the opportunity to waver, to fall down. 
Well, and it actually beat on the house. Well, brother, if you were in faith, he wouldn't just keep coming back. That's what we say. And we just whip each other into to guilt and compulsion and condemnation. Instead of locking arms with each other and saying, look, it's just the devil we can win because Jesus already did. Look, it's just the devil we can win. Not, well, you had to open a door. Well, this wouldn't be going on if you didn't give in place. You had to open a door. Yeah, 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 they opened a the door. They're pursuing Jesus. They're pursuing Jesus. They're multiplying it into families that are hungry. Yeah, they opened a the door. Come on, they're doing nothing wrong. We think because that's happening. Well, yeah, but you got to be giving him. Sometimes he just comes and, and aggressive and he's looking to destroy and devour and he's trying to find an opportune time, a place, a thing you don't understand and get you in agreement and get you to accept and all that stuff. Look, if I hear and do, if I hear he loves me and I begin to receive that love, not just think about it. If I hear I'm forgiven and I begin to walk in that righteousness and I hear I'm a son and I begin to apply sonship to my prayers and my faith and to my perspective. Are you hearing me? Hear and do. Yeah. And that thing is coming. But it's not coming before you're established. God, if you want to talk about sovereignty, people say, well, then where's God's sovereignty? There's God's sovereignty. That thing is not coming to pull the rug out from under your feet before your feet are firmly planted if your feet are being planted. But if you're just flagrantly just uh, ignoring and letting time go by, and yeah, I know, oh, I should probably be seeking the Lord. Yeah, I probably should be giving more attention to that in my life. You might be using up that window of, and the range descended. Now you've heard, and now time's going by, and now the rain comes, and you're not established. But you've heard. And in that time, usually convictions rise up, and Satan tries to turn it into condemnation. I knew better. I had the word. I should have listened. Oh, my God, I should have prepared. And now we feel guilty. Instead of, wow, God, this is... A, remember the seatbelt thing with me? God forbid I sit there and feel guilty. I'd have a big thing of stitch marks right across my head right now. I promise you I would. <sighs> Got to get this. God forbid I sit there and feel guilty. What does that change? Regret produces death. No, learn the lesson. Even if it was the hard way, it's a lesson nonetheless. Learn the lesson and become the finished product of that truth. And let mercy wash over you. You hearing me? Repent, remission of sin, brand new life. Amen. Father, this isn't a plea bargain, but it's things clicking every time now. I understand. Forgive me. And cover me with mercy and protect my children in this hour. Thank you for your amazing love for me. Boy, that sure beats, man, why did I, well, I brought this upon myself. Well, it wouldn't be like this if I would have just, I don't know why, just being a knothead. Well, I know better now, but I was just being. And then you walk around in that and say, well, now I know why this is happening. It's because back then I did I opened the door. You heard me say the window. Well, then close it. <laughs> close it because he's merciful. You follow me? Do you see this in Matthew 7? Come on. Don't be in a hurry when you read your Bible. Ask Holy Spirit to show. Look, whoever hears these sayings of mine. 
Now he says, therefore, because all these sayings are just boom, 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 Matthew 5, 6, 7 are phenomenal. The whole thing is straight red letters. Watch this. Who hears and does, hears and does. I would liken him to a wise man who built. Do you hear something's built? When you hear and do, something is built. The rains don't come before it's built. That's God's sovereignty. You follow me? Your part is doing, not just hearing. And a house is built. And now the rains come. Oh, they're not too early. Because something's built. Are you following me on this? It's so simple, but it's so powerful. That's why we need to live sober-minded and awake and be redeemed in our, in our mind and redeem the times because the times are... Let's stay awake and sober in our life and be diligent and diligent. You follow me? Yes. Or you just go, oh, what a good word, brother. Oh, yeah, that, that really spoke to me. And three weeks later, we haven't even received it. It's just stimulated us. Come on, I'm not being mean. I'm being real. And then we think, well, I know what the Bible says. To know what the Bible says doesn't mean you know it and it's your reality. That comes through time with Him. Having all the scriptures I told you in the beginning of this class could end up frustrating you and turning on you because you have every answer, but no answers. But you have every answer, but no answers. Are you following me? Come on. Did you have a question or did I just kind of answer it? No, no. Do you mean we will not have storms until we are firmly rooted and grounded? If you're in the place of doing, hearing and doing, the Bible indicates there's a grace period. There's something there where God's allowing you the grace to be established in a truth you're giving yourself to. You're going to be tested in it. But you're giving yourself to it. Let me read the next section and you'll understand, Linda. And the rains descended, the floods came, blew and beat on that house and it did not what? Why didn't it fall? Because it's already built. There's an establishment there. There's a revelation there. Even though the storm is contrary to, to everything around, it doesn't have access to your foundation and to what you believe. So it's suggesting a thing. Adversity usually has a suggestion behind it. Suggesting that you're doing something wrong. Suggesting that your children are vulnerable. Suggesting stuff, right? Adversity carries a suggestion to it that gets you to introspect and grab and grope and fear and worry. That's his intention. Are you following me? It's not just trouble. It's, it's, the, it's the, the paradox behind it. It has complications to it. It's looking for weakness. It's looking for a broader door than it squeaked through. You'd be amazed how many times it'll squeak through this hole and then we just open the door wide. And we don't want it in. Of course we don't. But watch this. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So the sand is just shallow confession, just being in the right places, just, oh yeah, just the talk without really getting, it's just something that's shallow, it's surface, it indicates that it's, it's fragile, it's shallow, it's surface, it's not real, it's not really there. Like being in all the right places and saying all the right things, but not giving yourself to Him. 
That would be a good example. The Message Bible. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, thank you, you are like a stupid carpenter who, I'm not sure I like that one. You are like a, a carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. I understand that wouldn't be wise for a carpenter to build a house on top of the beach, right? Watch this. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. But did you hear what it said? Like somebody just going to Bible studies but not applying it to my life and getting personal and getting every day. Like, you know, your Sunday is one thing. What about your Monday, Tuesday? Your Wednesday is one thing. What about your Thursday, Friday? You know, we've believed in for years in church that we have to go to Sunday service to stay in touch and Wednesday to stay alive. Juice up and then back on Sunday to keep going. Wednesday, Sunday, Wednesday, midweek service to get juiced and get back on track. That's the mentality. I've heard that conveyed a lot growing up in the Lord. That life is tough and you better go on Sunday and better yet let's do a midweek service just to stay in. Well, there's this principle there that the day's approaching, gather off and etc. But we tend to believe that life is draining us and we have to go back and get recharged. Life is draining us. We got to go back and get recharged. That is not Christianity. Christianity is staying hooked up to his spirit, staying in fellowship with God, walking in his love, walking in his grace. <laughs> You're charged. What has changed about him? Then stay hooked up. <laughs> Come on. But who has heard that belief that life is draining and you got to go get charged? Drain. Go up to the mountain and then come down and expend yourself in the valley until you've got to go back to the mountain and get more and come back. And How about just living in Christ? <laughs> come on. There's theology out there and there's scriptures that think of mountain valley, mountain valley experiences. The day of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. We're we're growing from faith to faith, from glory to glory. We're ascending into Him. Come up hither. It doesn't say go back down and get dry. You're a cup running over. We have just, the reason we've defined a lot of these sermons and scriptures is because it's most of our experiences and then it makes sense and then the way that seems right to man remains ours. And there's not much supernatural about our Christian life and confession. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I'm just saying. Don't let that be you. Don't sell cheap. So what I'm saying, Linda, is watch this. If you're hearing and not doing, sooner or later, whatever that timing, you're going to be in the middle of a storm. And you know what? You're not going to be established in the thing that was there to protect you and keep you. And you're going to suffer some kind of fall, loss, complication, adversity. You know the good news about Jesus? It's just the reality is sometimes when you're in that place, your soul's the hardest thing to get a hold of. And it's just if you'd ask a carpenter, it would probably be hard to build a house in a hurricane. In the middle of a hurricane, it's probably pretty hard to whip something up. So the storm is not the time to try to build. Now is when you build. You're always building. You're not waiting till things get tough and then you're making a madder dash to God. That's why we lose so much. Seriously, that's why it feels like we lose a lot. 
Who's ever felt like they lost in situations? A lot of times we're making a matter more sober dash to God once the enemy's on the horizon. No, you have to understand you're always in war. You're always in training. You're, you're preparing for battle. You're, you're, you're doing this. And then when crisis arises, the gospel responds and defends you. You're not waiting for crisis and then running to the gospel. You're running to the gospel and the gospel becomes your reality and it fights for you. Does this make sense? It's called relationship with Jesus. <laughs> it's called receiving his love every day and looking in the mirror and knowing you're worthy of his blood. Knowing that he has you where his love casts out all fear and all of a sudden there's no sense of judgment and condemnation and the things you're going through are seen clearly for what they are and there's no second guessing in your identity just because of adversity. Isn't that the biggest stumbling block when trouble hits? We go so introspective that we come out with a negative review. And somehow we blame ourselves for being in what we're in rather than just realizing that even if I'm wise and doing everything the way God's told me, rains are still coming. See, we don't like that kind of preaching. We don't say that, brother, because we're still self-centered and we're afraid of adversity. The only reason we're saying that is because we, we, we're afraid we're vulnerable. We're, come on, so the rains are coming. The house is built. The roof's not even going to leak. What's the matter if it's raining? It's on the right. Your house is built. You're not, you're not troubled by the storm because you're secure in the house that's been built. There's no vulnerability. Yeah, but the winds are 80 miles an hour. Yeah, and the walls are strong and the windows are good. Yeah, but it's really raining. Yeah, and the roof's not leaking. Praise the Lord. Come on. That is really good. <laughs> like... You know, I'm not saying I'm preaching good. I'm just, yeah, I am. No, I'm, <laughs> it's here. Who sees it's here? Ah, are the winds blowing? Are they beating on the house? Is that a problem? Not when it's built. Oh, but when it's fabricated, when it's just no foundation of truth, hanging around Christian doesn't make you Christian. Playing Christian and wearing Christian doesn't make you Christian. <laughs> Are you all all right with that? I'm not being mean. It's real. I say this again, and I say it humbly and seriously. When nobody's looking, that makes you Christian. When nobody else knows, when nobody else sees, the Bible says there's somebody seeing. No. And in the open, you're rewarded. Come on. When nobody else is in the picture, that's the real you. When nobody's aware, that's when it's real. That's where your life changes. Because then you're only doing it for one reason. To know Him. To be with Him. You feel that? <laughs> start, start manifesting. Do you get that? Can you feel 
Who feels God drawing your heart when I'm talking like that, just pulling you into Him? Just putting that in you to be more conscious to what? When nobody's looking. Oh, it's God saying, come here. <laughs> ah. Okay. Oh, where were we? I got, I got my boy. I got my boy in the room wandering for the second time in two hours. Remember? What's changed about the gospel? Whoa, good answer. But watch, it's not the rhetorical answer, it's the truth. And I'm not saying you gave a rhetorical answer, I'm saying it's the truth. We know the right answer, but it is the answer. So I go down and I sit him on the steps, and this is where you get challenged in your soul. You sit him on your lap just like the last time. Who knows the last time it wasn't a method? See, that's what, it wasn't a method. Who knows that we tend to pray for somebody and it goes well and they get healed. We find ourselves doing the same exact thing with another person. <laughs> and then we're troubled because it didn't go the same. Why? Because we put our faith in what we did. It's not even the finished work. It's our method. And the last time it worked great, let's do it again. And then better yet, let's write a manual and teach how to do it. Oh, God. Am I in trouble, Randy? Should you turn off the camera or what? <laughs> oh, God. So, so, so I sit him on my lap. Who knows it's not a method? It's a truth. But I sat him on my lap and I said pretty much the same thing. And there was no same result. And he's still sucking and <laughs> struggling. And I held him real tight. I said, it's okay. Jesus is Lord, buddy. He is Lord. I just rocked him a little bit. And it seemed like a long time to my mind, but it was probably a minute. When your boy's sucking like that, a minute is a long time. And I had the ability as a man to think in my mind that he didn't stop yet. There was a little bit of a thing there. I just held him and I just thanked God and I knew I wasn't trying to prove nothing. I really checked my heart and saw, I believe this is a lie, this is so exposed. And right about the time that controversy was trying to rise, he just melted in my arms. And you might not appreciate what I'm saying to you now, but it's all right. Yeah, I'm not asking you to, to agree with me. I laid him on the bed, and I'm his daddy. He's seven. And I said this out loud. I said, okay. I said, you touched him twice tonight. You ain't touching him no more. And if you do, you have to come through me, and I don't think you can. But see, I know what I meant when I said it. Because I'm not saying me as a man. I'm his covering. I'm his daddy. I'm the head and priest of that home. He's seven years old. And you've already touched my boy twice. And I laid on the bed and I put my arm around him and it felt like a big old seraphim, cherubim type thing. Because I know God was there covering him. I said it out loud. I said, if you're going to touch him again, you're coming through me. It's just what I said. And I didn't, nobody taught me that. I didn't. I said, but I don't believe you can. And I laid wide awake till morning and watched and prayed. My boy was out cold. 
when I got up and got ready and went to church, who knows I'm totally rested? Who knows that I'm in war, I'm militant. That isn't at the expense of my soul. Natural reality has nothing to do with nothing. Well, I was up all night, and I was in Christ all night. <laughs> Felt like I was at heaven's outing. It's <laughs> loading home. <laughs> so I go to church, and we have church, fun and everything, and I come down. My boy doesn't remember me laying over him at night. He doesn't know what I prayed because when I started praying to him, the Spirit of God came on him. He's just seven, and he's out. When I crawled in bed, he was already out. And I'm standing in the room, and I was going to stand, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to lay beside him and wrap my arm around him. It was prophetic. It was Christ in me. It wasn't an arrogant comment. It wasn't me taking on the devil. Who knows that I would get crushed taking on the devil. He's the one that came into my home, and my home has, happens to be his home. He's initiated this thing. I'm not picking a fight. But now we're in one. So how about knowing who you are? It's really affected me. I came down into the Sunday school and the teacher brought him out and said, boy, you must have had some experience last night. And I said, what do you mean? Well, when I asked for testimonies for the children, he's in the little like six, seven-year-olds. Your son raised his hand and it was amazing what he said. I said, what did he say? From a seven-year-old's heart. Because they understand more than you think. Seven-year-old heart. I can never, if I can say this without crying, it'll be the first time. I'm going to do my best. But he's saying, yes, Daniel. The devil tried to come in the house last night and kill me. But my daddy knows Jesus. And if my daddy didn't know Jesus, I think he would have killed me. But my daddy knows Jesus. That was his interpretation of the night. Uh-oh. No, I'm not ready to cry right now. And I'm like, Okay, and my eyes filled with tears, and I said, let's go, buddy, and I laughed so I could cry in the car. <laughs> Come on, I didn't pump that. I didn't stoke that. There's a house that was built. When the wind blew, tried to seep through a crack or whatever you want to call it, you could say, well, a window had to be open, brother. So what? Let's push the thing shut. Get the wind out of the house. See, all that's irrelevant to me. That's distraction to me. But we go there all the time in our thinking and language and ministry. All the time. Troubleshooting, troubleshooting, troubleshooting. And the whole time we're troubleshooting, we're not getting established in the answer. In fact, the whole time we're troubleshooting, the answer's losing its power in our own understanding and mind. Because now we got so much trouble, so many avenues, so much vulnerability, all of a sudden the answer's not even so powerful anymore. That's the exact strategy of the enemy. To mess with your soul in such a way that 2,000 years after Christ, it's just reduced to an Easter story or a sentimental story or heaven one day. Instead of the power of God unto salvation. (laughs) 
Salvation soteria, by the way, healed, delivered, protected, preserved, made whole, and kept safe and sound. <laughs> As Olivia's mother would say, nothing missing, nothing broken. <laughs> That's what she would say. <laughs> She'd be sitting back there right now. I know she would. She loves this kind of preaching because it's truth. <laughs> so who sees that God was there when this happened with my son? Who sees it was in the face of forward advancing? Forward advancing, forward advancing. We're doing nothing wrong to our understanding. We're just moving forward and all of a sudden, poof, rains come. Poof, winds start blowing. Poof, something starts beating on the house doesn't change what was built, church, if it's on the rock. See, we have an indecisive foundation. Will he? Won't he? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. Hope he does. It's not the gospel. It's a yes and amen. You understand? Okay. This impression thing, I stirred up a little bit. I'm going to try to wrap it up in the last 15 minutes. There are familiar spirits that play on what people believe. And because of what you believe, you find peace in your belief system. But if you get an impression, a dream, or something like that, that disarms you and takes away your faith and your tenacity to fight, I'm telling you, it's a trap. Go back to Ephesians with me. Okay, thank you, yeah. Oh, oh my goodness, you're in trouble now. <laughs> I just heard the voice of God right there. It was so clear, it was so fun. Because <laughs> the language of the gospel just showed up here. Oh, you're going to get this, guaranteed. Finally, my brethren, we, we shared this the other day. Be strong, verse 10, in the Lord and the power of His might. Whose might? So I'm strong in the power of whose might? So why did I wrap my arm around my boy and say that that night? Because of his might. Because I'm in him and my conscience is clear in him, right? The exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. So when I did that and said that, what am I saying? I believe. Do you get it? What's the power? Exceedingly, abundantly above. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Look. Put on the whole armor of God. It has purpose. Be suited out. Be suited up. Be dressed in the finished work of Christ is what that really means. The whole armor of God is the finished work of Christ and everything accomplished through His death and resurrection and ascension. Okay? So you're going to see this. Watch. So that you will be able to stand against the what? The wiles, the schemes, the strategies, the deception of the devil. Seduction. Come on. Is that in your Bible? What's some other translation say? The wiles of the devil. Somebody says schemes. I know that. What else? Any other words? Trickery. Trickery. Whoa, that's a good one. It's the end of verse 11. Yeah, what's the message say? I would be interested. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil's throwing you away. The problem is when we have 
certain believing, we don't realize it's the devil. We actually opt out and say it's God. So if we believe the dream came from God and God told us, and we have a theology that accepts that, and God told us I'm going to lose my spouse in three months to prepare me so I'm not broken. Who knows you're, who knows you're still lost? There's speaking up, but yet you're conceding because you honor God, you respect God, and you believe, well, if God's going to do it, then it's going to have to be okay. And your faith in that alone is enough to find a level of peace. But guess what you just did? You, you, you disarmed. You, you, don't, you, threw, you took off all the weapons. Why do you have weapons? Why do you have armor and protection and a sword? Because you're supposed to be protected in and through Christ, and you're supposed to what? Totally. Now watch, you're going to see this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and rulers of the darkness and of this age, spiritual wickedness and all this stuff, heavenly places. Take up the whole arm. Is it telling you to get armor on you? Is it telling you to take every piece? Take the whole armor that you can what? Stand. If you don't understand that you're suited for battle and you have armor for a purpose because there's a wicked, wily devil out there that's trying to deceive and trick you out of what's been accomplished, you're going to be in trouble and you're going to lay something down. Watch this. Having done everything to what? Stand. What's the Bible telling you to do? Stand. As soon as you interpret every vision, every dream, every impulse as God, and all of a sudden you have nothing, you're not standing anymore. Because you're conceding. Because, well, it's God. It's not God if it's stealing, killing, destroying. If there's the promise of life. If God says to John, if you have faith, John, you will say to the mountain, move. And that mountain will move. And nothing, John, nothing will ever be impossible for you unless I've sovereignly orchestrated it and put it into your dreams. Ah! It says, if you have faith, you will say to the mountain, move. He doesn't turn around and say, of course, there's times I sovereignly put mountains in front of you and there's no way they'll move, so you'll have to know the difference. He says, mountains are mountains and they move when you understand. Isn't that what he says? Did he ever give you a reason to believe different? Did he ever tell you, unless, of course, I've put the mountain there? Then why do we make God the mountain builder? Why have we grown up with a language that God is putting hurdles on our track? And God is testing and doing this stuff with the cost of life. And God just took my little child. Because I never could have a child and he just took my child now that I finally had it to make sure that I wasn't in idolatry and didn't love my child more than God. People are taught that stuff. Because of Abraham and Isaac and all that stuff. They're taught it. And then they grow up believing it. So when you believe that, is there any armor? See, in that theology, there's no need for armor, is there? Come on, stay with me on this. Stay engaged. If that theology is true, is there any need for armor? So there's no need for armor, because why would we fight against God if it's God, right? My wife was going through a real hard time. 
a long time ago. And her identity was being so robbed by lies. And she was believing that everybody loved her and said hi to her because they loved me. And that she was just my wife and that the only reason they said hi to her was because of me. Think about it. And it came real to her. And she felt like the only reason they called her was because they're supposed to keep in touch with her and keep her encouraged. And she didn't feel like it was because she had value and people loved her. She started to believe she was just along for the ride and people were ministering to her in a superficial surface way instead of the value of her own life. You follow me? And it got to the point that when I would talk to her and say to her who she was in Christ, she'd look at me blankly and say, well, you're supposed to tell me that. That's the right thing to say. You're, you're supposed to tell me that. You're a pastor. And I'd say, no, I'm your husband. I love you. Well, I wouldn't know why. Well, let me tell you why. <sighs> well, see, that's just the right answer, but it's not the truth about me. And I would continue to share, and then I just kind of let God work it out in her, but she went into about a six-year tailspin of identity. Six years. But you didn't know that looking at me because I'm not some broken, hurting guy that needs prayer and ministry because my life is hinging on the well-being of my wife. I want her well, but she doesn't dictate me. Jesus is Lord. I love her. She's not a pain in somewhere in my body. <laughs> Pray for me. My wife needs to get a grip. She's really holding back things in the ministry and she won't get on page and she's really... She's being so deceived. So, oh my God, I can't stand it. It breaks my heart. It's really holding me back and hindering me. And da da da. And God wants us. We can't minister together. And oh, oh, pray for me. <laughs> I don't have time for that kind of thinking. <laughs> too much fun. There's too much going on. Who knows? God's bigger than what she's going through. But it got so bad. Really bad. But you that knew me and know me all through that season didn't see that effect on me. In fact, you saw me growing like crazy because of it. Some of the reasons I am what I am today in my heart is because of those times. Honestly, I wouldn't trade them in now that they've happened because they've worked a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> you get it? But all of a sudden, I started getting this impression seven, eight years ago, I was getting this impression that I'm going to lose my wife. And it was every time I went to pray. Every time I went to pray. So I'm Godward. I'm thinking about God. I'm ready to pray in my bedroom and I'd hear, going to lose your wife. And then it started being first person. I'm going to take her. There's just too much. It's just, it would be easier to take her. It would be better to take her. And just turn you loose so you don't have to tend to her and, 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 and have your heart dealing with certain things and trying to stand in faith for things. It'll be better if I just take her. She spiraled into this place. I'll take her. She'll be fine. I have mercy on her. It's talking just like God. And I'm going to take her to release you to do what your heart is burning to do. I'm going to take her and I'll, she'll be okay. And I didn't address it because it sounded so first person. But it, it sounded like when God talks to me, but it didn't sound like God and what he says. But it sounded so convincing that I didn't respond to it and I didn't question him on it. I just listened. Probably not what I'm encouraging you to do. 
I was new to this. I never had an experience like this. So I just listened. So I'd go to pray. For two months or so, this stuff started happening. Kept happening, kept happening. I'd hear it, and I started to hear it all the more. And all of a sudden, I'm just thinking it all the time. My wife's going to die. My wife's going to die. I'm going to lose my wife. God is going to take her. I'm going to take her. She'll be okay. You'll be fine. I'm going to anoint you. You're going to run, fulfill. It's all right. It'd be better this way because there's, there's a hold back here. And I'm just going to, and I'm like, all of a sudden my wife goes into this spiral, this physical thing, and I take her to the emergency room because something ain't right. She doesn't know who she is. Right before that, she's saying, I wish I was dead. I wish I was never born. I wish I didn't have a life. And I'm saying, please don't say that, honey. Your life's so worth living. You don't have to speak that, honey. Don't say that. Don't say that. I say, honey, here's the truth. And I'd always counter and, and finally got to the point where I didn't just say a lot. I just trusted God. Well, that morning, she doesn't even know who she is, doesn't know where she is. I take her to the hospital. And at the hospital, she has a violent seizure. She gets thrown around the bed for about an hour. And it was really, really not pretty. And the whole time it's happening, this voice is saying, it's going to be okay, Dan. She's just reaping what she sowed. She's just eating the fruit of her lips. And this is the time I've been preparing you for. Know that the time has come. It'll be all right. She'll be fine. I'm just taking her. I'm hearing that the whole time. Seven, eight years ago. I'm standing there. It's good to be built on a rock. And even though this thing had a form and an appearance of God and wisdom in a sense, it's kind of like what Eve heard. Well, you know, God just knows that. And the day you and God just. Now I'm standing there and I said, Lord, in my heart, not out loud. They're trying to push me out of the room. I was holding her big toe. And she's just thrashing. And it was very, very, very not pretty. Her arms were locked and froze, growling and thrashing. They put bumpers all around her. I said, Lord, I've heard this impression now for two months. And I'm hearing this reaping what you sow stuff. And it sounds like when you talk to me, but it doesn't sound like you. And everything I've been hearing is contrary to everything I stand for. And I don't understand. It's, it's confusing. It's not right. I, I need to hear your voice right now. What are you saying over my wife? I said that in my heart, and I'm holding a toe, and I heard this, mercy. <laughs> it was over. <laughs> Done. And then in the, in the instant, in the instant, I realized it was a familiar spirit trying to unarm me and get a tenacity that's in me, a strong preaching, no-nonsense gospel guy like me, whatever people say, to get me to lay down my weapons and not stand and disarm me and get me out of the picture and let her slip away so that I had to face someday that I left her slip away or maintain that as a belief for the rest of my life. Either way, whoa. And in an instant, I realized it was a strategy of hell. Later, I realized that if I wouldn't have heard that and prayed and asked and second-guessed and questioned, I could have left it go that way, and I might even been one of those people that could have wrote a book, how God prepared me in His sovereignty two months ahead. It was a lying spirit. It was contrary to every principle of the finished work of Christ. 
And you know what it was trying to do? Watch what it was trying to do. We haven't done all to stand. Verse 14, and I'm closing. Stand therefore. Was this thing trying to get me to stand or sit? Concede, right? To yield, right? Lay down. Watch. Having girded your waist with truth. Guess what it was doing? Taking truth off of me right now. Now watch. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, all of a sudden I'm unhooking my wife and now she's naked and ashamed. All of a sudden she's not even right with God. She's just judged for her sin and for her weakness and the words she shouldn't have spoken. All of a sudden we're unzipping our righteousness. And now we're worthy of being judged. See, what righteousness means is you always have a right before God. (laughs) Come on, let's get this. Watch. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the peace of the gospel. Wow. Taking off the peace, huh? God's made peace with men. Peace on earth. Goodwill. He's not getting her out of the picture. That wasn't even on my heart in the first place. It wasn't some secret wish of mine. Watch. Above all. Above what? Above all. That's pretty serious language. Taking the shield of faith, which is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Guess what this voice is doing? Getting me to lay down what? Above all, the shield. So there's no faith. So I get in agreement with the tide. And go with the flow of reasoning. This is heavy. And take the helmet of salvation. And the sword of the... Now that's what he's really afraid of, ain't it? What did David do after he killed Goliath? He took his sword and what did he do? Took off that head. <laughs> You know what else David did before all that? It says, and David ran toward Goliath. (laughs) He didn't wait till Goliath got close enough. He just went at him. (laughs) Sounds pretty unafraid and selfless, huh? Take the helmet of salvation and the what? Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. God. Praying what? Praying always. Well, no need to pray now because God's already set the deal. If this is God, then why pray? Do you understand this demonic strategy that was coming to me? It was to take every piece of armor, every provision made, everything of the will of God and get me to never stand for it and not stand for it. Get me to sit, give up, concede, undress, disarm, lay down the shield, lay down the sword and not even pray. Because God said, and make me absolutely powerless even though I've given you all authority over all power. And we could go find those books today and they're familiar spirits and it's hard to teach on because it, it causes such a <gasps> to the people that believe that. But if we don't address that belief system, we're just going to keep what? Letting people go. Letting people go. And the story's going to grow and the list's going to get longer and the sovereignty of God, the way we're preaching it, all of a sudden there's just no arm or whatever will be, will be. All of a sudden there's no fight in the Christian. 
Is that what Satan's afraid of? If it's above all, the shield of faith which quenches how many darts? So you can't find limitations. So if you're the enemy, don't you want that shield put away? If the shield quenches all the darts, wouldn't you want to get the shield out of the hand? So every form of doctrine that tells you not to have faith and not to believe and to just say, oh well, and reconcile with the will of God, brother, is not the Spirit of God. Because you're to be shielded and wielded with the sword. You get it? Come on, it's simple. And don't you let no lying thing talk you out of it. With all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Why supplicate? Why plead your case if God's already settled it? Thank you. Be watchful to this end with all what? Perseverance and supplication with, for all the saints. And, <laughs> and I will read verse 19 and 20 for you. <laughs> she said, you missed the best part. <laughs> Watch. And for me, that utterance, isn't that what it's all about? That utterance may be given, that our lives would speak, our voices would speak, that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, no matter what I'm going through, that this gospel is being revealed through my life is what he's praying. Do you realize if I accept that voice as the Father, everything he purchased and paid for me in the weaponry is nullified, why bother? So if it's not God's will to heal, why have a shield and a sword and why have righteousness? Back to naked and ashamed and unknowing and undeserving and... <laughs> Why don't you stand to your feet? We gotta close, I'm late. Well, we started, we actually started about quarter after, I think, 10 after, so we did good. You guys good? Yes. This was school. We got on some stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You, you want a seven-year-old saying, but my daddy knows Jesus. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. Father, we just worship you. We thank you that you're sealing these things in our hearts. We thank you, Lord God, that you're teaching us healthy, heavenly perspective. Even yesterday, Lord God, just the intensity of just the soberness of what you're saying, just sealed in us, Lord God. Continue to train us, continue to raise us up in revelation upon revelation. Father, our heart is to seek you and know you as you can be known and to see ourselves truly in you the way you see it. And Father, we thank you for it. We will wage a good war and run a good race. And we thank you for the high goal, the high mark of the calling of God in Christ. And we just thank you for the grace that's available. We're enjoying the ride and we're loving you all the way through. Thank you, Father.